Hello. <laughs> Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and envies. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, good times, wherever you are. It is Watery Death Show, second stream. Uh, we are here to... We, we the bad podcast, by the way. Uh, but we think that can be good in a roundabout sort of way. But we're here to talk about Horimiya. Uh, Hori-san to Miyamoto-kun, the... 2021 winter rom-com um that took us on uh an emotional uh i guess roller coaster is the right <laughs> word <laughs> but a roller coaster track looks a little bit different than uh than what have, you might think i have i have never, I have never been on a roller coaster that was just plain flat for the last half of it Oh, I thought you were going to say it just went down. Well, it went, it <laughs> but... went, it went up and down, like you know, the first bit. The last half, it was just chuk 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 like that. Imagine if you're like the most boring person in the world, and you play Roller Coaster Tycoon, and you decide, you know what, I don't need to elevate my track whatsoever. I don't need to like make it spicy or anything like that. Honestly. Uh, maybe um, that's me being a bit incendiary out of the gate here, but uh, Will gets that soon enough. You're you're showing your cards now. People are gonna they're like, okay, I know how this guy feels. Um, do I feel the same way? Stay tuned and find <laughs> out. But who are we? Just in case anybody is joining us for the first time, I'm the subtle doctor. Uh, I am taking point this week to round out and finish Hodimia. And along for the ride with me. Apparently, I've also shown my Discord when I had the when I forgot to his, click his over disc to picks. the different. Di- not not the same. Not the same thing as dick pics, <laughs> but still a bit private. It know? was our yeah. It it was it was a DM between you and I. So uh, I'm pretty sure we were just like, uh, hey, I'm gonna pour myself a drink and I'll be back. Yeah, no dick pics. Uh, okay, what did, what did you think of Horimiya? It was okay. <laughs> You're really just kind of yeah. So nothing, uh, yeah. no, no, nothing too spicy. No, so. Sadly not. Um, so welcome in chat to Gogo and Kate. Um, thanks for for coming along. And we got uh, we got a lot to go over today. We got some uh, uh, quite a bit uh, in terms of creatives. Uh, we've got, oh, oh, wait, I haven't introduced, <laughs> I'm going out oh, of order. I don't need it. This it's guy, fine. Uh, it's fine. this guy with me, uh, who is the, the lifeblood of the pod, <laughs> um, the, the sharpest, you know, banter honed to, to such a fine point. <laughs> uh, I don't believe it. Uh, Woody I, I don't believe my own hyperanalysis, uh, I me for that matter. But anyway, <clears throat> yes. It's Shadon. You only you gotta let me finish the introduction, Shadon. You've got to start it's the Shadon. introduction to be He's fair. <laughs> I, d- <laughs> I sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs. Um I just want to say something actually about this. Uh in case you're wondering why we're covering so many episodes in a single block, um the schedule kind of went mm-hmm. a little bit skew if a little bit snooker loopy, and that's because of what I thought was going to happen with Wonder Egg Priority and its recap episode, where I thought, oh, there will be an episode 13, and it turns out I actually was correct, um, but they're going to release it in June, of course. So we tried to yeah, move things right. around to accommodate that and make sure we covered um, all the stuff in about the same amount of episodes of the pod. Otherwise, we'd have ended up doing a Horimiya pod on just one episode alone. Uh, no thank you. <laughs> no, no dear, no way. Uh, but it all actually kind of works out well, for our benefit, I reckon, because 
this block of episodes, episode 8 to 13, uh, I feel like I can make a continuous criticism of all of them, which is uh, I could not really care about what happened in any of them for the most part. Uh, it feels like, uh, to get my cards on the table, as you rightly said before, Doc, um, basically after they boned, uh, that was it. That the show had nothing else to do, really. And I'm sure people can disagree with me, and, and I think there are some good bits to it, don't get me wrong, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, the the remaining uh, six episodes of this block, 8 through 13, I was just kind of like, meh, meh, meh. Okay, so that's your, that's your back-of-the-box review. Um, my back-of-the-box review is slightly more uh, on the positive side, <laughs> although, I mean, you know, it, in the main about this block of episodes in particular, I mean, it's I, I we talked, of course through the week uh about it and i mean i'm mostly with you on eight through certainly eight through 11 and eight through 12 you know probably so as well um that the show um it kind of takes its foot off the pedal and really let me down uh i it was excuse me the first seven episodes i thought were at least most of them i thought were were really enjoyable it was really hitting for me. Um, I thought like almost all of the comedy, you know, a few bits here and there accepted, uh, almost all the comedy was doing it for me. Uh, but like the main thing was, was the romance was, was really interesting, good character drama. Like there was an arc to it. Um, you know, there was, uh, stuff going on beneath the surface and then it just didn't really, continue on in that vein i think episode 13 is much is better because it gets back to miyamoto and hori and like or i did miyamoto it's miyamura (laughs) and hori um uh, and uh, i should just call him mia mia and hori uh and kind of some questions they have about the next phase of their life that i thought was like you know meaningful and interesting uh not blow away or anything like that so uh, yeah, my kind of back of box review is started very strong and tailed off pretty hard, um, with, uh, you know, I wouldn't even call it a return to form at the end, but at least they ended on a, on a higher note than they'd been at least, going. They, they tried to write the ship. Uh, at least the, well, funny you should say that, at least the show actually was about the ship it is titled after as opposed to, yeah. uh, as opposed yeah. to people I could not give less of a toss about, really. And in fact, I I might be sounding a bit belligerent there with that statement, and that is my, you know, uh, raison d'etre, shall we say. Um, But there are characters in these blocks of episodes, and and when I make that statement, the show is literally not giving me a reason to care. It actually fundamentally makes me dislike them. Uh, but it seems to also have a pretense to say, oh, actually, Hmm. no, no, they're actually not too bad. They're not that bad people. I'm like, nope. I, right, you, but it didn't. What it, what it, it didn't do enough for you to, whatever, to convince. Whatever you're selling, you I enough. ain't buying. Basically, when it comes to this, right. just wait till I talk about Sugimoto yeah. and also whatever that like light cyan neon head fucker. <laughs> I don't remember his name. The fuck that asshole. Yeah. Oh, I have. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I have. That I was, have nothing but bile oh. for that because there's a, there's a there's a moral lesson at the end of that little arc, a little thesis statement that Miyamura makes, and we'll get to it. And I literally said, "There's a bad, some bad shit." And, and there was I, there is some straight up. I, bad I have shit. literally been yeah. through personal experiences that are run completely counter that. So uh, no, sure, you can yeah. take your moral lesson. You can fucking shove it. 
Yeah, I didn't like that part. Um, <laughs> I didn't not a fan. Like the that was the, the like those two. I think it was ten and eleven somewhere in there. Maybe both of them. Like I was just yeah. I was like oh man, <laughs> this is just really turning me off big time. I have a lot of uh, a lot of criticisms, and we'll we'll get into the the finer details of it as we go, but. You know, like Shadon said, we got um, six episodes to cover because of schedule weirdness. So uh, we got creatives to talk about. We got patron questions. And then we'll have, of course, our own discussion points. I should uh, I should point out this week that I'm flying with no notes. Uh, <laughs> it's the first time I've done that in years, literal years, uh, for stream thought. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, I, I just felt, I was like, you know... It's six episodes. We're going to be talking in very broad strokes about a lot of different things. Oh, man. You know, and and also there was the whole lack of motivation <laughs> to to really write a bunch of shit down. Uh, but but I'm sure, you know, I, I remember a lot of things I want to talk about. You will spark conversation. I have notes. The listeners, the patrons, the, the chat will will also spark conversation. I mean, if nothing else, Doc, like and, you're, uh, you're, you're freestyling now. The only thing you need is the hand gestures mm-hmm. to go with it. Yo, yo, let's talk about Hori Mia, and I'm not even going to try and follow the rest out for fear of embarrassing myself. <laughs> Gosh, the, this, the, is, yes. this, is not, this is not the time, really nor good. will it ever will be, to launch my nascent rap career. Let's put it that way. Shay Dong, the... the <laughs> The pan Asian. No, 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 no. This is a joke from the first episode of the podcast. Nope. Oh, that was just for for old listeners, Um, long time listeners. The oldest of listeners. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, um, very quickly before we get started, I mentioned patrons, uh, and we'll be answering their questions. Um, if you're listening to this next week in the future, first of all, hello, future people, uh, future Why did you not warn us of the uh, terrible thing that's going to happen in a week's time? <laughs> I don't know what, I don't yeah. know what it is, but I know it's going to happen. I know you could have told us, but you fucking didn't. So thanks for that, future people. You you pulled the Hori Mia. You let us down. You let us down big time. But look, it's okay. You're still entirely valid and we love you. We appreciate your listening. If you want to support us, though, and you want to become part of uh, our, you know, lovely uh, community of patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash Show, um, and you can sign up. Uh, if you sign up at the $3 tier, you'd be able to get a uh, second stream, which is what this show is a part of. Um, folks who are at that tier or above get to vote uh, for what show we'll be covering in this uh, slot. And that is coming up now. So if you are thinking, man, I've, you know, Horimiya was cool. Or maybe you're thinking, maybe it was not cool. But maybe you're thinking, these blokes are all right, I guess. Uh, And I would like to, like, you know, I would like them to talk about this show or that show. uh, That's either old or, you know, just coming out. Get involved. Get on the Patreon. You can, in Discord, make suggestions for what we put on that poll. And then you can vote. You can make your case to the other patrons if you're like, look, you guys haven't talked about the show. You never heard of it, but I'm going to tell you why it's great. I'm going to lay this out for you. It's going to be awesome. It's amazing for these reasons. These creators are behind it. 
you rally the support, you get the vote, and then we're talking about it, and you're out $3 for the month. Yeah. What could be... Or, it's a deal. or as an alternative suggestion, you could drop something like, hey, let's make them watch Virgin Fleet so it'll destroy their lives. We can watch Shaden's mind just crumble into dust and just disappear out of his ears into the wind until nothing's left, and he's just there like a drooling man, just like... <laughs> I'm googling this. Show. No, 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 no! That's not a reason for you to do that. You fool! Do not open Pandora's box for the lid cannot be placed back on. <laughs> Didn't um? I give. I give. Honest. <laughs> there's someone on. There's someone I know of who had a hand in it. Yes, it was written by Yasuhiro Imagawa. Did so? You've seen this? No, I just know of its existence and, and premise. Okay. 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 So I would say despite whatever the premise is, I would say don't write it off just yet because everything everything that Imagawa everything that Imagawa has touched has been has been good and interesting in some way. I'm telling you, you listen, there's been a lot of shitty shittily named anime that's like that's all right. So <laughs> what have I done? What have I fucking done? Uh, I'm just telling you, you can't uh, toilet bound Hanako kun. Just, just toilet let's just, bound. Let's just keep walking, please. Hanako kun, please. Uh, Yasuhiro Imagawa is good. He's he's the man. Uh, um, I, I need more beer. Maria the Virgin Witch, also title, bad, uh, possibly skeep. Great anime. Um, so look. You cannot, you, you just, you know, there's a fucking show called Backflip. That's it. Just Backflip with two exclamation marks coming out next season. It's a stupid title. Uh, I'm sure it could be great. You cannot judge art alone. Are we just trying to delay talking about Horimiya here? I know. I'm just entrenched on this. I, this is important. Uh, but look, okay. All right. We can move forward. So let's, let's talk about uh, Horimiya. And specifically, we'll talk about some creatives first, Shadan, before we get to the patron questions. Yes. Um, there's a whole bunch of these to mention. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the three scriptwriters. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to mention the episode directors by name and leave it to you, good listeners, to look them up in their, uh, their oeuvres. Um, so, as as I scroll Anime News Network and can't help but smiling because pasted all across this is these announcements about uh, Macross distribution oh. to the West. Fucking finally! I'm, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna bite my I'm gonna gnaw on my knuckles for a moment because I don't want to. I could go into a long long talk about this, but again, we are here to talk about Horimiya. Things about Macross must unfortunately wait. Uh, although I will get this out there. How many goals? Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> that still stands. Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, they will still be profiting from this. So it's Fucking not a leeches. 100% like, it's not a 100% uh, ideal situation, but we can we can own the Macross, which 
really is what I've it's all I've ever It's going to be on VHS <laughs> tape transfer to. and you know it. You <laughs> you know Frontier is going to look like absolute dog shit on whatever they put uh, out. No. You, you know. No. They're going to put it on UMD. Not Frontier. Because they still think the PSP is active. You know Scarpet. I wouldn't trust Harmony Gold to like screw my light bulb in. Now, I said I wasn't going to There run, are some but... stuff <laughs> There's some stuff that I actually agree could get fucked. Like, I, I would be worried maybe about Macross, like, stuff that already came out on VHS that they're just, like, fucking just dump that onto a disc. But the newer ones, I am not that worried about. Um, and those are the ones I want uh, most. And and Macross 7, too, because it never came out over here. Uh, they'd have to, I don't know, they'd have to find... Hopefully there's not a shitty transfer that exists out there somewhere. It's going to look like shit. I'm calling it now. We monkeys pawed it. I'm telling you. <laughs> anyway, anyway, enough of that. Let's carry on. Let's carry on. Keep okay, keep okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Focusing. Uh, okay. So the script writers. Uh, we'll start with uh, Takao Yoshioka, who wrote uh, the scripts for episodes 1, 4, 6, 9, and 13. So Yoshoka-san was the head writer for um, the Elfin Lead adaptation. I think we might have talked about this person before, but I'm just going to power through. Uh, High School DXD. (laughs) Uh, Happy Lesson. Um, Let's see, are there any other ones? There's a good one. Um, Queen's Blade 2, Colin the Evil Eye. I mean, a lot of bad things. Schoolgirl Strikers Animation Channel, The Seven Deadly Sins, uh, gosh, uh, Sekirei Pure Engagement, Sinran Kagura, man. And then also, among all of this, just very disposable entertainment. Uh, head writer for Watamote TV and OAV. And that is a show that I, I just love to pieces. I hope to one day cover on this uh, here podcast. Um, that show, uh, there's there's a through line between this and that. There's a through line between mopey, um, depressed, blue and sad uh, Miyamura and Watamote. Um, but there's more otakuness about Watamote. Uh, also, Your Lie in April, head writer for that. Um, heard good things about it. Haven't seen it. Um, we move on to, uh, let's see, uh, Chiaki Nagai, who wrote screen pl- uh, scripts rather for episodes 2, 3, 7, 11, and 12. Uh, very, very small um, CV. We got uh, script writing for Utano, Princess Legend Star, some Seven Deadly Sins. I wonder if that's where the two writers met. Um, some Idol Master, Cinderella Girls, Seasons 1 and 2. Um, and Grand Blue Fantasy. Uh, oh, and the... We, I think we might have... I'm, I feel like we talked about this recently. Uh-oh. Wrote five episodes. Wrote five, five scripts for... Um, Fate slash Grand Order dash Absolute Demonic oh, yeah. Front colon Babylonia dash. Well, <laughs> well done. Like honestly, I, I mean that's that's like that should be like a sobriety test that people like policemen give. Uh-huh. You're like it, you know when they say like, do your ABCs, they say like can you read out the name of this anime? And if you can get it in one go without slurring it, you're sober. Indeed, indeed. And we also got uh, Sawako Hirabayashi, 
who Hitabayashi, uh, let's see. Oh, Aki Khan scripts yep. for three episodes of that. I know we've I know we've talked about this now. Um, scripts for something for episodes 33 through 128 of 33 through 128 of something called Meow Meow Japanese History. Um, I, I, I have to click on this. What, what is Meow Meow Japanese History? Oh, oh, that's possibly offensive, but I, it could, I don't know. Um, Show, show important show figures it, of Japanese history. It's, it's, like, it's like show era, more like show Nyan era. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. It's funny. It's not called Nyan Nyan. It's these ten minute things. So, um, it's so funny that there's like over ANN apparently stopped keeping track of the titles because there's clearly over a hundred episodes, but they only have ninety six episode titles. I think that I think I think um, episode ninety seven must have been the breaking point. That must have been some really really dire shit. Like, nope, we're out. <laughs> we're done. No, thank you. See ya. Laters. Mm, yep. Um, so, Hirabayashi, in addition to writing, um, oh, we also got some Kuroko's basketball. People really like that. The basketball which Kuroko plays. Um, got some key animation, too. So, done some animating for, like, you know, Oran High School Host Club. Like, a couple of episodes of that. Like, that's really beloved title. Um, wrote some scripts for Shiki, which is uh, super underrated, but much beloved by its fans. Um, horror anime. Uh, very, very good. Um, also worked on some Watsomoche scripts. So that's, you know, there's another connection there between the script writers. So those are people pushing the pen to make the words. Um, people pushing the pen to do the directing. Uh, we have directing episode number five. No, we're starting with episode seven, I believe. So no, no, we did that one. We're we're starting with episode eight. Why did I, why did I think five? Um, episode eight directed by Ryo Kodama. Uh, episode nine, uh, Tadahito Matsubayashi. No, that's Matsubayashi. I apologize. Tadahito Matsubayashi. Uh, 10, Yosuke Yamamoto. 11... Uh, Yasuo Ejima, episode 12. Um, I don't see 12 and 13 in this list that uh, Anime News Network is providing. Directed by Ghost. That's interesting. That's my best guess. That's all right. That's right. That was uh, directed by uh, the the episode spontaneously assembled itself. Um, I'm going to look on the Wikipedia here and see if I can get so we can credit those two individuals. And I'm um, going to be editing on Wikipedia so that way we can put some fake credits in. Turns out I directed them all along. <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> people are like, oh, it's just those so, two episodes. Well, that's, that's not, not anything to sing home about. <laughs> well, I think it may be because, this is laziness though, but like um, the series um, head director, Masashi uh, Ishiyama, uh, Ishihama rather, Masashi Ishihama mm-hmm. uh, directed episode 13 by himself, but episode 12, Hitherto and Forevermore, um, which I thought ended strongly, was, has three episode directors, uh, Ishihama, but also uh, Ryokodama and uh, Fumiaki Kataoka, 
And I'm trying to see, yeah, Kodama directed episode eight. We've already talked about him. Uh, and I don't see um, Kataoka's name anywhere. Perhaps they're an animator. Um, but yeah, those are those are the talents, um, you know, uh, doing the directing, doing the writing. Uh, maybe we should mention a couple seiyu. Uh, Miyamura, voiced by uh, Koki Uchiyama. Uh, Hori, voiced by Haraka Tomatsu. Uh, any other seiyu stand out to you? Well, uh, <laughs> no. And that's not the... <laughs> yeah. and, and look, and look, 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 I have to be honest here, right? This is one of those situations where I've said before... Where, that was a meme. Where it's, that was where mean it's to probably you, not the seiyu's fault, but I... I mean, it's half of it's, of course, how they present the content, but also just what they're talking about. And these past couple of episodes have just kind of a lot of it has just washed over me. So I'm not going to blame them for put, for like me not paying attention to who was voicing whom. I just kind of just went. I just washed over you. I, I see a couple famous names. Uh, Daisuke Ono voiced uh, Kiyosuke. Uh, I was wondering dead. where I recognize him from. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I enjoyed that role a lot. Um, Glad and uh, Yanagi, it was great. Uh, Yanagi, uh, the really well, one of the two characters introduced so late in the show, it was it was difficult to muster up a lot of feeling for Yanagi. Um, and uh, uh, Jun Fukuyama. Oh, um, he did a yeah, um, he voiced Joker in Persona Five anime. <laughs> Yeah, and I think uh, famously is Lelouch from Code uh, Geass. Oh, we still have that as one of our patron um, senses if we ever reach that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did reach it. Well, I, I, no, we're, I believe we're, we're we, not. We're not. But I don't know. No, we're not. We're not <laughs> on the level now where I have to go watch uh, Code Geass. Uh, so no, you not, can of course no make that happen by say. contributing to our coffers. <laughs> if you want me to watch the entirety of Code Geass and then. Uh, you know, give my thoughts on it afterwards, presumably after I've just been revived from a 10-year coma as a result of watching it, feel free to check out <laughs> patreon.com forward slash Rory Desho. If you want to inflict actual, physical, oh, sorry, mental or emotional harm on me, that's one way of doing it. Don't say we and don't people give. People probably know. Yeah, exactly. And Shadan, mm. Shadan gives away his uh, his pain and suffering uh, I thought you about very generously. I thought you were about to say dignity then, but I don't have any left. Mm-hmm. That was given away long ago. Mm. Long <laughs> uh, Mao also voices uh, uh, Remy. Uh, M-A-O. I think Mao is... Uh, I don't know what the acronym is for, but I'm... It's just a very long... Probably a VTuber, I'm guessing. Um, I don't fucking know. No, no, it's also known as um, Ao uh, Ichimichi. So, just choosing to go yeah. by Mao. I, I, so. I had Ichimichi once, but it cleaned up once I had a cream applied. <laughs> Um, just no comments just, on your... Just, just to answer Rackham's point, Code Geass is, your a, medical conditions? is, a, is a special one-off that I'm going to do if we obtain a certain amount of Patreon revenue. Uh, it will be a, like a two-hour-long essay where I'll probably just end up screaming constantly. Basically. I want to be a part of that. I'm sorry, I'd have to be a part of that. <laughs> Somehow, some way. Uh, okay, so we talked about the staff. Now, let's get to uh, the questions. Patron questions. Uh, about Horimiya, which again, you two out there can can voice uh, if you subscribe to us on Patreon. So uh, 
Sally forth, Shadon, and fire away. Yes. Right then. Um, so, the first batch of questions comes from Kate Rose and goes as follows. Uh, which character was your favourite slash least favourite, and which side character or couple's story did you like most slash least? So, okay. Okay. <clears throat> uh, okay, this. Okay. So who was my favourite character? I'm probably going to say Sakura, just because she seemed quite likeable. I mean, this is where I admit my bias on the whole love triangle thing that was happening with her, Toru, and um, Yuki. But I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, yeah, she seemed pretty nice. Um, <laughs> I liked her a lot. Uh, the character I liked the least, it was originally Sugimoto, just because for some inexplicable reason, he presents himself as a complete <laughs> bellend earlier in the show's run. And then later on, suddenly he's buddy buddies with everyone. And I don't understand the complete lack of transition between the earlier state where he was actively being a prat to everyone. And, oh, everyone's now cool with him. Like, when did that happen? But... Uh, that would, but fortunately, he got completely and utterly outdone by whatever his name was, who essentially told people that Miyamura was responsible for the death of the school rabbits. That guy can really just go fucking put oh, himself man. in a dumpster. What a tool! What, like what that doesn't tool. even begin to. That doesn't even begin to. Oh. Mm. Yeah. All right. Continue. Uh, and so, as for, is that is that your final answer? Uh, well, I need see. to also. I'm gonna look up his name. I need to also give stories as well. Uh, so. Which is my favourite story of the bunch? Uh, um, that's actually kind of hard to answer because I didn't feel great about any of them, to be quite honest. None of them really, really stick out to me. Uh, what a crab you are. I am, Look, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm a crabby kind of guy. I'm not going to lie. But I think part of the problem is that I, I think... Oh, sorry. No, I just discovered the guy's name that oh, we were what, what, talking what, what, about. It's ta- uh, Tanihara. Okay, so Dickhead. That's Fucking we'll, Tanihara. We'll go with that yeah. instead then. I'm going to ignore what you've just said to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you've given me his name. I don't, I don't presume to use it. But I think the problem is, is like when it comes to like the, the side couple stories, none of them felt like they had a satisfying resolution for me. In fact, some of them actively undermined the very resolution they seem to be... Uh... Yeah. Uh, by the way, Rackham has just confirmed. I'm sorry, I got this wrong. I think I meant to Sen- say Sengoku. He's the redhead. Uh, he's the one who, yeah. yeah. I don't, I I don't, I don't know why I said Sugimoto, <laughs> but again, like, get, caring for the names of people I don't actively <laughs> like is a bit beyond me. Sugi- <laughs> Sugimoto, is that the, the dude from um, uh, the Crow Girl show? Is, is he the clerk? No, no. I, the gas I, station I, that, man? That is definitely not okay. what I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, like, so in terms of- But is he called Sugimoto? Probably I, I can't recall. If I had to give some, the one I like the most, I'm probably still going to go with the Toru, um, Sakura, Yuki love triangle. Because it had a message um, behind it. It ultimately completely undermined that message, but at least had a message I agree with. So that's a start, I guess. Uh... I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like it wasn't like what happened with the blue haired kid whose name I've already forgotten because I don't care. He's a twat. Uh, where oh, we we have a message, and it's a message I fundamentally and violently disagree with. Uh, and when I say violently, I mean that literally because I have violently dis- disagreed with that in the past with actual people. Uh, so I'll elaborate on that later. As to the one I like the least, again, the exact same reasons. That one because it posits a moral message. Mm. Uh, which I suppose, do you want to talk about it now? Should we lay into it? Should we just crack open the, you know, should we just let the uh, the guns get a shooting? Uh, let's save it. Okay, let's save it. Because I want to answer this question too. Yeah, fair. Um, uh, but, I, we'll... but I will give, however, second prize for the arc between the two green-haired uh, kids, the brother and the sister. The sister who's the bookworm but is failing. Because... Mm-hmm. 
that to me, like, Poor thing. there was a good idea behind that, which is here's a character who's trying really hard to learn but isn't succeeding, and it's also not really about her, I felt. For some reason felt more about her brother and how he lives this, like, again, it's the theme of the show, which is we present ourselves differently depending on where we are, but I did mm-hmm. not give one iota for a crap about him, where I was much more interested in her story, because that was an angle <laughs> that to me felt really interesting, and it didn't explore anything more on the surface yeah. touch. Like, this is not a case of someone failing at school because they don't try. This is someone who's failing and trying. Mm-hmm. So why are they fit? What's going wrong here? That's an interesting thing to discuss, to explore in depth. It's, it could actually be even be its, a, its own it premise be. of its own yeah. show. Uh, and all it was really there for was just to, again, give the brother a sense of, hey, this is what he does when he's at home. This is what she does. You know, this is what he does when he's at school, where he's like a bit of a goofball, but he's really serious with his sister. And I'm like, that's <laughs> all it exists for. You could replace it with drug addiction. It would serve the same purpose. Well, there's another, um, I, I don't know, I think your point still stands, ultimately, uh, but I think they they add more to it in a very roundabout way in, in episode 13 when uh, uh, Mia, Miyamura, is kind of entering this, like, reverie that is a hypothetical, but you could really, you could believe it as... A parallel world, honestly, in which uh, he never helped Hori's little brother and never started dating Hori, never entered that friend group. Um, and so there were all these kind of ripple effects that weren't just about him. Uh, no one else was as close uh, among the friend group, like um, uh, uh, Toru and Yuki were still like pretty distant um and you could see uh at one time the green-haired boy uh whose name is a shoe uh right so one at one point shoe is talking to uh ishikawa uh in the hall and he's like yo dude uh how's it going like did your sister like How's she doing? And he's she's he the brother, you know, says, Look, well, uh, she had that exam, she failed. Uh, and we're, we're never shown outright that Hori helped her kind of get things in order and actually pass it, mm-hmm. but we are shown that like she never, I, I think the implication there is like there was never, she never helped, she never tutored. Uh, the sister and and it's I think very likely that with some help because you know she's trying very hard like you said it's just like on her own she was hitting this brick wall so I think with some help I think she would do much better Um, so we're kind of shown that like you know again very roundabout way to do this but like her story is like that because of like because of um I don't know, just the way life in the universe works. Like when you make these connections and form relationships or, or really do do a lot of different things. Like there are all these ripple effects on all these people mm-hmm. and we never know like what our actions are indirectly causing or who we're indirectly affecting. And like, you know, Miyamura talks about all the coincidences. Well, kind of one of the domino effects, I think, of his relationship with Hori was that the, the friend group got much closer and much tighter knit uh, through getting to know Miyamura, and therefore Hori tutors 
this girl and she does better. So yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's there, there's thematic stuff going on there that they use that for, but I agree with you that they, that could have been more thoroughly explored. They really introduce her too late to do too much of anything. Welcome, of welcome, welcome. Her. But to, I really liked what welcome, we got. Welcome to a consistent complaint you'll hear me say about all of these characters because I want to just stand to your point by saying two things. The first of which is, uh, for all of this alternate universe shenanigans, it didn't seem some magic Shu and his sister's parents into the picture. Because you figured they would have a say in this, you know, educational problem that their daughter's going through. And the general lack of parental involvement apart from Hori's parents is actually a problem I have for the show as well. Right. Well, I think uh, I, I think that their parents are not in the picture. Uh, I think they're being raised by their grandparents who are the not grandparents as involved. Because, like, what's that? I don't, I don't recall even hearing that the grandparents are there. Or, like, they just seem... Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe this is my So, like, at one point she says... Well, at one point she says, or one of them asks the other where grandfather is. Uh, or maybe grandmother. But they're asking for a, after a grandparent. And uh, they say, well, they're not here. So, yeah, I think the implication is like, and that's why he's so serious around her because he's kind of one of the only, you know, older figures in her life, one of the only authority figures. I think he takes it very seriously. Uh, And so that's why he kind of is deadly serious Mm -hmm. and then is able to just be loose at school. Yeah. Although I would, my, um, that's what I got from my, my results. That would be the reason the parents aren't there is because the writers chose them not to be, and that applies to many other things, not least of which also be Miyamura's parents. They're distinctly absent from so much. Of this it's actually kind <laughs> of comical. But back to point. Um, yeah. Back to point. The thing I want to say before we move away, before I move away from answering this question is, I came across as belligerent and kind of acerbic there about my feeling about much of the characters in the later part of the show. The foundation for all of them to be interesting, accepting the fact that they a lot of them came in a bit late, is there. There are interesting things that could go on that are hinted at. I mean, even Yanagi, or whatever his name was, the pinkhead guy, Mm -hmm. there's a scene with him and Yuki's older sister, who's in college. And there's actually a foundation there for something interesting, which is, you know, he's Mm -hmm. in high school, she's in college, they seem to be hitting off. What does that mean, if anything? What do we do with that? To me, it really feels like they raise the spectre of it and then nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, even that, to me, feels interesting. Um, the only one that, to me, feels like it has any concrete resolution is the one with, you know, the guy who neglected the rabbits. But that, of course, as I say, comes to a conclusion that I vehemently disagree with. I mean, I guess. It's a shitty conclusion, but even then, like, I hate the way that they leave it. Not just because I disagree with the like the moral framing but like the last thing is like hey i want to buy a cake and he's like oh we're closing come back in two days and then dude's like all right i'll buy two of everything and then me and like cool and that's it and i mean i guess like you could be like well that's like a fine enough ending but like it's just was kind of whatever for me. Maybe I'm just I have a sour taste in my mouth from that whole storyline, which yeah. sucked incredibly hard. Yeah, but broad broad responses. I didn't care about a lot of them. Some of them I actually disliked. But the 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 framework, the skeleton, if you want to call it that, is there for this to be fleshed out for each character pairing, each group of people to have much more going on with them that I think could be interesting. But it didn't happen. So whatever. So, 
all right, I'm going to try to remember all the things that were in this question. I might miss. Uh, I'll, re- I'll, re- I'll repeat it for you, babe. Um, okay. It was which character was your favorite or least favorite, uh, and least favorite, sorry, mm-hmm. and which side character or couple mm-hmm. story did you like most le- or least? Okay. Favorite character, Hori, by A Country Mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was just incredibly charming, uh, very funny, surprising, um, always like rooting for her, always like. She and I were a lot of the times on the same emotional wavelength about a lot of the shit that was happening um, on screen. Um, you know, and is she perfect? No, definitely not. In fact, she has like... Uh, oh, boy. I think the the most annoying um, kind of like thing that could be construed as wildly homophobic in, in the show uh, that was in these block of episodes when... You know, she's like, Miyamura, you can leave me for another woman, but don't leave me for another I, man. I, am, I just couldn't take it. <laughs> I, I am li- I am literally surprised she didn't say some variation of if you're bo- if you touch balls with another guy, you will turn gay. <laughs> I am so absolutely dumb. stunned. Like, it was super stupid. I have I have a whole um, section on that. Uh but not for okay. not for the not for the ranty because uh, I know we've been described in the past as an SJW podcast, which I find hilarious. Um but not for the ranty SJW reasons you might think, just because it was lame and wasted and pointless, but we'll get to it. Okay, but in spite of that, I mean, you know, uh, flawed character. Uh, but I enjoyed almost every other moment with her on screen. Um, and yeah, I just I just really, really dug her. Um, and least favorite character... Mm, definitely uh i've already forgotten his name too fine uh, tanihara <laughs> tanihara uh just a very terrible character um not in terms of like being poorly written i mean i think the intentions oh, he, are he, very he clear what he's exactly supposed to what be the writers intended for. it's just what they intended was stupid and i hated it yeah, I just, I didn't, yeah, I, I I would have not hated him nearly as much if he was just a bully in Miyamoto's past, but kind of how he comes back into his life and all that is um, just so, like, the most naive bullshit, like, ever, and uh, it, it just annoys me to no end. Um, favorite and least favorite side character stories? Hmm. Um, I, you know, I think there were, uh, this is hard, right? Because I don't know if I can like endorse any one of them as a whole arc, (laughs) but there were moments in there that were good. Like I really loved when, you know, Yuki felt like she was losing to Sakura, like in the love triangle. And she was so like despondent Mm. and self-loathing. We got to see, that was kind of like the darkest point that, that the show went to. And it was crazy because, you know, Miyamura wasn't involving Miyamura, which you would assume would be the most dark stuff. I guess you could argue episode 13. Uh, but but I, I felt that Yuki and her uh, her moment of self-hate was like was the the pinnacle of that emotional um, uh, note that the show 
that the show I mean, employs. There's, there's some, there's some and like, visual references I, in that. I mean, there's there's when she sits down after baking the cookies. It's one of the episodes nine the block we're covering, and she's <laughs> looking at you know these waste bins, these trash cans, and the visual implication through the cutting and the framing is that she feels like she is trash. And I'm like, which I don't agree mm-hmm. with, by the way. I'm going to be clear. Like, I have I have like dislike. No. I have dislike for some of the characters, but some of them I'm quite fond of. And Yuki is definitely one of mm-hmm. them. Um, but like yeah. you know, there's there's actual craft here in this. There is good things in this show, and I do agree with you there. I think for me though, like this is where my lack of nuance comes in because the end result of that arc, I think, soured all of it for me. So it's such that those little moments felt mm. lost on me. But you are entirely correct in pointing that out. Yeah. So I guess, like by default, I'll say, you know, Yuki and Ishikawa. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, trying to think of another one. Uh, you know, there were, you know, there were a few that are just like I think you can't really qualify. Like I, Yanagi and Yuki. I mean, they didn't even get together, you know. So like he, you kind of can't bring him into it. And also the the little uh, kind of adopted little sister of Miyamura and her thing for Hori. Uh, that just <laughs> you were wrong. You have to pay me money well, because she did show up again. Well, not, <laughs> she showed up. Well, actually, no. I I, I I do doff protest here. She did show up, but I didn't. She didn't contribute anything meaningful or interesting. I oh guess. no, you said that she wouldn't. You said she would not show up again in the entire well, show. I, well, my, we need to my watch the reason for thinking that was because I felt like her narrative use was expended. It turns out I was correct. It's just unfortunately the showrunners did not agree with me on that point. But listen, his comedy. You can't argue. Like, you can't argue the terms of the bet. <laughs> the bet was that she will or will not show up again, and I, I believe and maybe to throw at you at this point, which is <laughs> thanks coronavirus. I won't take money out anymore. I don't hold cash. I'll just throw my credit card. Oh yeah, the I mean who who uses cash? No one uses cash. Um, <sighs> God. So yeah. She does it so, but but who was on screen? I don't know. I guess like that sort of leaves Sengoku and Remy, um, or something because that was kind of the only other one, and I guess that's by default because I don't know. By the end of the show, I didn't really hate them, which I'm annoyed at myself about because, like you pointed out very correctly, like the show presents them early on as um, douchebags, very hateable characters. Uh, They, they really wrong Hori uh, in episode two or three. And we are just sort of expected to get on board with them again uh, because they're, you know, shown in a more, um, in a, in a better light. Although Remy, even Remy, like, before they start, uh, before Hori and Mia start dating, at one point she sits down at the table with Hori and is like, I'm going to steal Mia from you. And they're just like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? But then like the whole second half of the show, they're just presented as these like, as the buddies, as likable mm. characters. And I don't know, like I, I liked them by the end, but again, I just, I feel a bit hoodwinked about it and I feel annoyed at myself for yeah. liking them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put their story at the their of the three couples, uh, I'm gonna put them at the at the bottom. I have I uh, have specific things list. to say about both Remy and um, Sengoku, um, with particular issues of framing. Uh, but I'll note as well, like I mean, fucking Vulcan Skull from Power Rangers, like went through a better transition from like you know bullies to 
like allies of sorts. <laughs> I'm sorry. Balkans. I'm sorry, but they did. Jesus oh man, Christ. listen. Oh, t- tangent, tangent. I'm watching. Uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, uh, Sentai uh, Zyu Ranger. Yes. Zyu Ranger, which is like the. It was this. It was the, su- the Super sh- Sentai material for which was adapted to Power Rangers season. Yes. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers yeah, specifically. The, yeah. Okay, you know all the. Well, I, then you might also know that it's fucking insane. Like. Oh, uh, oh. Are we talking about the one where uh, the Green Ranger Barai is introduced and it involves? Um, like a young elf kid being gunned down by a guy on a motorbike with an MP40. There's I haven't gotten that, that far, but that reason, sounds incredible. There's a reason that didn't make it into Power Rangers, and I bet yeah. you can guess why. Oh, don't you... I'm oh, just talking Bryce about, Arc like... Uh, fucks up, by the way. I'm going to point that out. I'm, I'm ready. I'm super ready. No, I mean, I'm just, like weirdly there are these like old space wizards who could make their ear really big and hear conversations on other planets there's like i don't know you know the robots communicate telepathically to them and the robots are divine fucking... spirits in this they're actually from descended yeah from yeah, yeah and like there's a part where uh I don't know, they go into this weird world where if you get sad, you get turned to stone. At some point, the rangers get thrown into trees, which is grammatically a misleading thing because you just, that what what that makes it sound like is they get thrown into the midst of a forest. They're thrown into the tree. No, they get thrown such that they disappear inside of the tree. And then you can see them as like a ghost inside of this tree trunk in which they are trapped. Uh, the sphinx... The Sphinx character gives them a riddle, and they get it wrong. He throws them into a tree, in which they're. It's totally bizarre, and I love it so much. Um, maybe we'll do a. <laughs> maybe I, I, we'll do I, some I, kind of content on Tokusatsu I, at some point. Oh god, I, that's that's a that's a deep well to plumb. Uh, I might be up for it. It's a good of, well. <laughs> I mean, I've been side watching Carmen Rider Black, for example. So there's that, I guess. Yeah. Like like the protagonist yeah. that was having a fuck up day was being chased through by ghosts through town. Just a Man, anyway. I've yet to get into Common Rider, but I've heard excellent. I mean, it's it's it seems great mm. from what I've little I've seen of it. Right. I'm more of an Ultraman and Super Sentai person at the moment. I wonder, that's well, just because of availability. I mean, reasons, I mean we're coming, but, we're covering Dino Zenon now, aren't we? For Stream of Thoughts, actually fits quite nicely. Anyway, uh, yeah. next question: um, If you could change one episode to better the series, what would it be and why? Well, I guess there's no dodging my major gripe with the moral lesson of Yuki. Uh, Toru and uh, Sakura's like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's cut loose here. Let's shade and unchain. Right. So, (laughs) there is a moral lesson at the heart of Yuki's story in this show. And the moral lesson is one I fundamentally agree with because, admitting my bias here, it's one where, A, I have missed out on doing this so many times in my life. It's actually a source of kind of shame of me and i think i could have done this differently mm. you know but also there have been times when i have done this and i have been burned quite severely for doing it but i still recognize the value of taking a chance what is the moral lesson the moral lesson is to seize the moment take a chance grab the opportunities in front of you and this this is never more didactic in this show when yuki in one of the episodes Literally, there is one copy of a manga left on a shelf and she lets someone else get it before she can because she's Mm -hmm. being polite. This is then reinforced in a later episode, in one one of the ones in this block, where 
she now wants a hair clip that her sister had bought uh, because her sister's now got it. But she, because she's indecisive, you know, and so her sister gives her the hair clip. And so with the whole thing of Sakura like being into uh, Toru, uh, she's like, yeah, I, I like him too. I think I don't know, like uh, I, and so here's the thing, right? <laughs> I obviously admitted already in my bias I like Sakura a fair bit in this show. But for me, there's two ways this can go, which is uh, to also parallels my own experiences, which is Yuki doesn't do anything and she realises, oh, it's too late now. Toru ends up with Sakura. I've missed out. Maybe I'll learn for next time. And maybe she. there's even a scene where she says after he hooks up in this hypothetical alternative, oh, I was into you. I'm sorry I didn't tell you at the time. I'm telling you now for, just because I wanted to get off my chest, just to clear the air. Uh, and then she learns from a grocery. Or, I'll tell you, so she does try, uh, still fails anyway. Uh, or even then she tries and gets in there first before Sakura says anything and gets in. Those are the three outcomes that would fit that lesson. We don't get any of that. We get <laughs> no. her doing Jack Diddley fuck shit all. And it still works out for her because Toru has some bullshit opinion of like leagues. Now I'll get into that separately. I don't even, I don't even think it works out. Like it's like I was telling you off cast, like it's not like they're, they're not actually dating. They just, the status quo remains, which is like, Oh, just so frustrating that they're both like, we can, yeah, I'm happy with how things are. Yeah. We can, we can discuss whether or not that's actually true that they are dating or not. But ultimately I think the point still stands that, she does nothing and yeah. no, like she doesn't lose out as a result. Like the show literally makes that the core message of her arc, which is you must seize the moment. You must strike while the iron is hot. She doesn't. And there are no consequences for it whatsoever. And I found that utterly fucking infuriating, a complete waste of my time. I, <laughs> and I can't, I mean, that is, I mean, I agree. There are li- I've literally said that it's so didactic that it's explained it through the metaphor, like the visual image of here's the last manga, here's the air, here's the hair clip. And then it doesn't deliver on that. That is amateur hour writing. That is crap. You literally set this thing up and you completely contradict it. Utter shit. Um, and I, I, and if, and if anyone, sorry, go ahead, no, you finish. I, I was going to say, and I honestly hate it, but that's all I really want to say, Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, if anyone argues that, like, well, you know, more is done in the manga, like, we're, we are judging judging this on its own merits, on its own two legs, this adaptation of the story. Um, I mean, my my retort to that would be, oh, you know what, I'm going to go back in time, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, do an exam that I failed differently, and then suddenly it'd be all right. I'm going to say, hey, you know what, give me credit for stuff I didn't actually write (laughs) in the paper. Piss off with that. (laughs) I, I hate I, right. I hate when people say because like it, this material, like it is an adaptation. So I mean, we just go sis and girls last tour. It should be a standalone work that also gives credence to its mm-hmm. manga origins. And girls last tour, as I right. mentioned, did that perfectly because it ended in a way where it was both a satisfying journey for the anime itself, and then also mm-hmm. said, "Hey, maybe you want to check out the rest of the material elsewhere." It felt like a conclusive, self-contained story or chapter in that work without, you know. Uh, making you want not want to check out. I don't want to check out Horimi in the manga. I don't. <laughs> I, I really don't either. I don't. It's sad because, man, last time we talked about this, I was so high on it. But yeah, at this point, I really don't have any you, interest in following. You, you it. had one job and you fucks it up. So that's why I would change. I, I can't. That's, yeah. That's why I would change. Yeah. I would. I would amend the episode. So not that not that it would have to be any one of those 
any specific of those three outcomes, but rather it's just at least one of them, where the lesson that they have built up to is actually delivered on. That's the lesson mm-hmm. that Toru, uh, sorry, that Yuki internalizes, <laughs> yeah. rather than I didn't do anything and it's all fine. I know. I mean, it seems like they get it. They have this conversation, and you feel like, oh, like Yuki is going to like take one step forward. You know, we're not I'm not asking for her to be this completely different person, but like, really, yeah, just wanted her to to take everything that she was thinking about and everything that she had internalized and move on it. And she just doesn't do that at all. I mean, she decides that she's happy with the way things are. Mm. And so does Yoshikawa. And, you know, to be fair to him, like he didn't really have an arc, the point of which was, you know, carpe diem. So whatever. I think the onus here was on the writers to have Yuki push out the boat. Well, and this is take it. The chance, In fact, right? I, I, but like, I can nail the specific change I would make down. It's one thing that would solve that episode entirely. So Yuki stays away from school because she's embarrassed, like with what's happened with Toru, mm-hmm. like where they pretend dating and then, you know, everything's been going on. Uh, and then Sakura, like, admits her feelings to Toru. He turns down, but he doesn't reveal that in the text message, all this sort of stuff. Um, and so she does eventually go back to school, but it's Toru who goes up to her and says, can we go and speak in private? And the one change mm-hmm. that would have solved this would be if that was reversed, where she said, mm. I'll speak in private. I mean, it's the, the situation doesn't even change then, you know. Sakura still struck out first, but this is her taking the initiative mm-hmm. and recognizing she needs to take responsibility for her feelings and actually, you know, act like a mature adult, you know. But no, it's Toru who does the heavy lifting here and prompts her to come up and have the conversation. Yeah. And honestly, if that had been completely reversed, it you wouldn't even need to change the dialogue on the rooftop. She could still like stall, but she still made a concrete step in addressing it and putting them in a position where they must talk about this. But nope. And I don't want to hear this. Fucking, they were pretend dating and everyone believes they're dating. So they're dating. Horseshit. No. You would not tolerate that for the titular couple in this show. I would be rioting if that if they weren't fucking. It's a solution you know, to a problem also that does not is not necessary because she's pretend dating him in the first place because Yunagi is interested in her. And you yeah. know what the answer to that problem would have been? I'm not interested in Yunagi. Thank you very much. I'm flattered. Laces. Right. Why this convoluted what bollocks? Is, you know. Well, it's consistent with her character to avoid that kind of direct emotional confrontation. But, like, it's just this out where they don't have to confess their feelings. And it's just it's just terribly annoying. And I, I, I really, yeah, I mean, it just lets them get away with not having Yuki follow through with what she should have done with with her arc. And it's that's a really good nomination. Um, I think I would, to just to be different from you, I would rewrite the episode that was all about, you know, blue-haired fuckers and just eliminate him, Tanihara, entirely from the show, except for the flashbacks, and just use that time to, like, give development to everyone else that needs it and flesh out more characters. Maybe introduce Yanagi and uh, Shu's little sister earlier. Uh, Maybe you strike them from the show and just focus on, you know... Maybe Hori uh, meets Miyamura's parents. That doesn't fucking happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. It's just, this is a very common thing in anime, such that, you know, I, I don't, 
have any firsthand knowledge of this, but maybe this is just like, maybe these are the conditions on the ground that, you know, parents work so much that they're yeah, just to, not as involved fair, in their kids' fair. lives that we are. Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, but like, it's a, it's a, um, it's a fair point to make. I'm merely looking at it through my own lens here. Um, although I would again, always, still want it to I would again always counter with, um, well, it might be a sensibility, um, from the way you write it. Um, I would also then say that you can write whatever circumstances you need to in order to make those scenes happen. It is a deliberate choice, whether uh, you realize it or not, for the parents to be present or absent uh, of any sort. Particularly me and Murray's mm-hmm. parents being absent at the graduation, which is just nonsensical in my opinion. Uh, but I'm going to get to that. He said point. that they were there. Well, they were absent on camera. Uh, which is significant. He said they were there and they left, but I, that's still like a you know, bullshit to me. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at least they acknowledge it, but but I agree with you. It would have been nice to see them. We don't even see his dad. I think we see his mom right for half a second it, and in my, the entire my, run of the show. My complaint <clears> about this, by the way, the whole parental absence thing, just to get it out there right now, is not the logic of it or the um, or even what you might want to call a moral outrage that his parents are absent or whatever like no my beef with this is because like everything else i've said thus far there is potential here like this is very much a lot of these episodes are about niamura's internal interiority like you know how he feels like you know about his past and i think there's actually a very cogent point that this show does make something i will say in its favor later to that end but the perspectives of people who know him personally are valuable in this and what could be more valuable than his parents and i'm not even saying that they necessarily need to know exactly what's going on with him but rather that they have a perspective that they offer i mean let me ask you a question doc we covered one direct priority do you think the show would have been better off if i's parent if i's mother was absent oh no no oh, no, no so no, imagine no. the reverse then where we got a meaningful contribution from me parents being there mm-hmm. wasted oh it would have been better there's no doubt yeah, there's there's no doubt that it would have been more interesting, mm-hmm. um, for sure. And you know, it's it's one of those things that maybe some of it is um, a reflection of the culture, uh, but maybe there's a part of it that's just a convenience thing. You know, you want to have the kids doing their own thing and not really involve the parent. So yeah, but I agree with you that it would have been. I, I would have liked it more uh, if they're you know if they would have been involved in in some way. Or at least their absence would have been kind of more of a, um, more of a theme, more of something touched upon, uh, you know. But it's but it's just there's just so much that we don't see um, that is, uh, I don't know that the story considers incidental to it. Like he spends all the time working with them at the cake shop, um, you know, and things like that, which we don't really get to see. So, but but they're not. But but for all intents and purposes, I mean that's. They are absent, and everything you said is still true, and I, I co-sign. Um, but yeah, no, my, my answer is the Tanihara episode, fucking kill it. Uh, kill it with fire. Get it out of the show's continuity and do something else with that valuable time mm. that, that, you, that you wasted <laughs> on uh, just an awful, shitty story arc mm. uh, with a terrible, a terrible message that was like easily the low point in the show. Yeah. I am actually going to disagree at a 90 degree angle, if you can call it, we'll call it that, which is I absolutely 100% do agree that the message, the way it's written can be just jettisoned entirely. Um, but I do think that there is an element of uh, the whole Tanahara storyline that I think is pertinent, um, but it's something that happens at the very beginning. Um, and I'll actually elaborate on this now. Um, 
which is going to lead into a talking point I'll get to later because they're kind of the same thing. But I want you to just remember that um, when um, Miyamura encounters Sengoku in episode 3 and he's being a complete twat to Hori, he headbutts it. So Miyamura is yeah. not above physical violence uh, or conflicts if it, co- it calls for it, you know. However, right. however, he didn't know Sengoku. He has no history of him. It's just someone he saw, like, you know, giving shit to someone he was, well, obviously not dating at that point, but someone who was into There was him. no baggage. Yeah. There was no, like, trigger there yeah. for that. But yeah. the, really in- the really salient point is, of course, that uh, Tane Bahara, or whatever his fucking name is, like, mm-hmm. you know, he does have that baggage from when they were younger, and it still is, you know, a weight on him. It's still a wound on him. Totally. And that's why, and so even though he is obviously very much capable of just knocking him out instantly if he felt so inclined um he can't bring himself to do it he falls back to becoming younger Miyamura again um and i mm-hmm. think that's a really fine point to make which is that becoming physically stronger becoming physically capable of fighting for example doesn't solve your problems dealing with historic like abuse like those wounds stick with you and they can still be an inhibiting factor in you fighting back and when I, by the way when i say fighting back i don't just mean in terms of literally like you know going mortal combat with them i mean in terms of like you know responding replying like you know rather than just being passive as he is there because it's horror you in the end actually it physically intervenes on his part so i think that's actually a good mm-hmm. point to have and i would keep that because it's also in ties into another part of the show's messaging with miyamura that i think is quite relevant sure but I 100% of why agree know, that the rest uh, of it can go. And there's one, one other thing that I'll note as well. Um, wait, sorry, before what? before we get too far away, I just need to say, did you know that Polygon did an interview with the man who yelled Mortal That's Kombat exactly why I brought in it a Mortal Kombat movie? That's exactly okay. why I brought it, because it was on my mind. Such a, such a bizarre. No, it's great. <laughs> but like, that was this was my job. No, 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 it's cool. It's just like, this was my job to yell Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah, like, it's all those things he where he like, thinks of, like, I'm going to do this one thing now. I'm going to yell Mortal Kombat, and that's going to be it. Collect my paycheck, go home. And it becomes, like, a part of pop culture for decades afterwards. It's crazy, isn't it? It's so funny, dude. Yeah. Um, that's great. The, the one final thing I'll mention, though, is... Um, the other issue I take with this is that... What actually happens in that he makes them everyone think that Miyamura, like, you know, left the rabbits to die. That's quite a serious incident. Um, so you would think that that would have a long-lasting impact in, like, how people view Miyamura. Like, I could see, like, you know, a, a nickname or, like, the rabbit killer or something like that. But the, the consequences God. feel disconnected. Like, it feels like it's just a very personal one rather than what mm. I feel would be more, like, ongoing... Uh, almost mimetic shall we say i don't i don't mean of course like i can have cheeseburger mimetic i mean mimetic is right. like you know like horrible nicknames and insults like passing from people to people like you know when people come from one school to another and some instant follows them um that kind of thing but it just feels it feels mm-hmm. like the instant in question is not backed up by what happens as a result I and mean, i feel like you could therefore replace the fact that rabbits died with something else uh, and when yeah, and, and when you get to that point Easily where could. you feel like you can start swapping things out, it really suggests that the writing isn't as focused as it could be. Um, I will, however, say this though: there is one thing I would keep, which is I love the fact that we literally got to see a visual representation of the phrase "I'm living in your head rent free." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was no, pretty that great. Was, like that. That was amusing. I like. I still don't think any of those. But like. Uh, 
those positives like don't outweigh the negative that was and i just don't i just don't know i know that's not what you're saying i'm just trying to think i don't know if there's like uh, it i'm not sure it we wouldn't be complaining about it still like just being this weird rushed beat of the bullies coming back and then hori beating them up and that's kind of that's a like you know because half the episode was about you know uh like em- embrace you know the, as a friend the person who bullied you and all that just garbage um so i don't know if they could have excised it uh the the bad and left the good uh i'm just i don't know like i i'm all for just jetting like just send it in the sun and any of those other sort of positives maybe there's other ways to get to them yeah well the, i hated the shit out of it so well i mean get- <laughs> the, the primary lesson I, I brought up of like you know how trauma weighs on you even when things are better in a sense is something else that is reinforced through um i think it's episode finale. 10 and also episode 13 as well uh there are mm-hmm. multiple points when it comes up and i think that's worth so, mm-hmm. Like, that is something that I can definitely say is a positive with the show, but I'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, okay. Fine. Let's see. Question. Um, this oh, wait, wait, wait. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We should... Um, I'd like to address something in the chat here. So, uh, Rackham uh, contributes his own episode to change, and he says that he would change, uh, erase Hori becoming emotionally abusive. And what he means by that is, like, the... The early episodes in this block when uh, when Hori kind of uh, is all about her her kink, which is Miyamoto being mean to her. Um, and he feels Shigeru that... Shigeru Miyamoto, like, so, the, someone, guy, the guy from Nintendo. Do you mean Miyamura? Miyamura. You said Miyamura, <laughs> sorry. God damn it. Um, if someone feels pressure to give in to another person's kink when they aren't comfortable enough uh, to where they... Let's see. What does that say? To where uh, some people would call that emotional abuse. Uh, to where they're crying, I think. Um, uh, show uh, should have had them talk it out. Uh, so, like, I... I'm going to hold I, my cards I on feel, this until later because I've got a lot to say on it. Okay. Well, the way I feel about it then is um, that... Well, you know what? Instead of repeating myself and then talking about it again later, I'll just wait till you bring it up because I'll just say how I feel about it. Yeah. Then. We'll, we'll, All right. Next question. We'll 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 come back we'll to that point, Rackham, because I have a lot to say on Hori's relationship with Miyamura. I mean, it ties into everything. It's like a whole like a whole buffet of points, which is we've got the biphobia, we've got the lack of public consequences, we've got like you know the lack of discussion. Like, there's a whole slew of stuff to talk about. So we will come back to that point. It's probably going to be the big thing that will like be the thing we'll close out the podcast on but anyway on to more talking points uh or rather uh, questions from patrons uh from rackham actually as a matter of fact uh what are your thoughts on the anime highlighting all the stories and chapters they skip from the manga during the finale credits okay none of them struck me as particularly interesting from the insert shots we got it actually felt like some in some way they were still stuck in school um, I mean, I remember seeing mm. one scene, for example, of Hori and Miyamura like cooking or something like that, and it was still at her house, but they've now graduated, and that just made me think, okay, uh, they, you know, they have obviously graduated, they've gone to college now, why don't we have, as part of them being a couple, them taking the next big step? 
and I'm not talking about what Miyamura drops in episode 12, which I <laughs> will absolutely be commenting on, because holy shit, that was bullshit in my opinion. Uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, how about, because they're both going to university, they move into student dorms together, or an f- apartment. You know, that's a big step for a couple to make. That kind of thing. But no, uh, none of what I saw in the in, like the stuff that happened in the like closing uh, montage struck me as interesting or all that worth i mean i said before i don't have any interest to check out the manga that certainly did not like one way or the other make me feel any in like you know any desire to do so or any less desire just kind of neutral on it Uh, all i could think of though is they felt like it was still very much like they've left high school but they're still stuck in high school with from what i was seeing which was a i don't know i feel like that if you're going to go from like high school to college or university uh the material should reflect that change I didn't even see any new characters for that matter, at least not from what I recall. Which you would think there would be, because they're going obviously to a brand new social environment. Yeah, but then they'd have to do more character designs, <laughs> which would be, which would be probably not uh, a, an efficient use of resources. Um, I honestly didn't even know about this. I did not watch the end credits because of emotional terrorism that was happening during those credits upon me. Uh, I'll tell you that I thought the last episode was good. I thought it was very good. I thought like a lot of the things I liked about the show came back such that like, I mean, it almost made me feel nostalgia for a time I never experienced, you know, because I never had those high school years, but like, you know, I just looking back on the show, at the point, the parts of it that I did really like, um, I don't know. It's like, wow, like, you know, you kind of have been on a little bit of a journey with these people and, you know, damn, like Miyamura is making this incredible, really heartfelt speech to his, uh, his fiance here, uh, in his mind, of course, um, it's very eloquent, very poetic and, uh, they just really love each other and I'm a sucker so being a sucker, uh, I get emotional about things that are very, you know, sentimental and gooey and possibly trite, but I couldn't help it. So then the credits, the music started playing and it started showing the pretty pastels in the picture. I was like, I just want to move through it to see if there's a, uh, a, a, uh, post-credit scene because I might actually cry if I leave this music Aww. on and see these images. I, I mean, I'll, so, I'll, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. I'll, so I'll be fair. It. Just back what you saying here, which is like, like episode 12 and 13 felt like it was finally going to back to being about the titular couple, uh, which I have like, I mean, that's kind of damning with faint praise because so much of it has not really been about them. And I understand that it shouldn't be entirely about them, but for God's sake, like, if, uh, like one of my criticisms of this show and I'm going to elaborate on this with episode 12 and discussion in it is it felt like they ran out of ideas uh, there's a lack of imagination <laughs> but I'm going to get to that um, but no I, I like those scenes that were cut from that like I mean I, for me like if you're adapting a manga to an anime you should pick the best bits of it mm-hmm. you should bring like the best moments um, from that anime uh, sorry, from that manga to the anime, and you should do them justice. I mean, JoJo's by David Production, for example, has got all of the good moments in there. Now, I'll grant you, that's a prestige production of, like, 50-plus episodes per uh, installment, so maybe that's not necessarily the fairest comparison. Okay. 
Um, I mean, we've covered other manga before where they've still brought like good moments in there. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, like if this was what they chose to be like the prime material, like the best stuff they felt they could bring to the anime, and they were just going to hint at what was otherwise not all that interesting mm-hmm. as as like side stuff in the in the you know in the end credits for the final episode, that doesn't again exactly you know. Give it oh, all that credit. yeah, what what did they, yeah, like, sh- should we go back and even look at that? Yeah, if because that, if, that, if, it was, if that's what they left... If it wasn't as interesting as, like, episode eight, then... If that's what they, if that's what they left on the cutting room floor, then <laughs> what they actually put in there wasn't good. I mean, again, Girls yeah. Last Tour, based on a manga, hit all the right important notes, all the important scenes. Yeah, everything felt, like, critical... Um, despite like you know some of it like the pace in, in the middle being a little bit slow, but like there wasn't. I can't really think of any any vignettes that altogether like could be excised from the show without uh, diminishing it, which is definitely not the case here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to add to that question, Doc? Uh. Oh, I uh, know because you didn't actually you didn't watch the final finale credits, so fair enough. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. We can uh, move on. Move on. All right. Next question: uh, Are there any characters in the series you initially disliked uh, that managed to grow on you, um, if even a little? No. So that's the that's a, a good way to put it. Uh, how I felt about a lot of the characters, because Rumi and Sengoku did grow on me. Um, no, I, I, like, couldn't get again, pa- I couldn't despite, get past their initial portrayal. Yes. <laughs> yes, I know. But, like, and as I said before, right, like, the, the show doesn't, like, do a great job of telling you, hey, even though these people made some bad choices earlier in the show, like, they're actually pretty good, like, and they're sorry, and, you know, they're trying to do better. They just sort of, like, assumes all that happened. Uh, and maybe that was from some cut content. Who knows? Uh, doesn't matter because we, again, are judging what's on screen. So, uh, but they they grew on me. Um, and I guess, like, you know, some of the later characters, like Yanagi grew on me. Uh, of the characters, like, that were introduced way too late, which is the dark-haired girl, Yanagi, and Shu's sister. Um, I liked Shu's sister from the off, uh, but... Um, I think Yanagi grew on me because I found him kind of a mute. Like, <laughs> I really enjoyed the joke. Uh, like, even the fucking episodes that were just, like, kind of f- flat in terms of giving us substance and things to, like, really chew on um, from a story perspective, I s- found many of the parts amusing. Like, there was this whole bit of, uh, I don't know, like... Miyamura was sort of feeling replaced in his friend group by this kid. Um, and they had very similar character designs. Yeah. Uh, and then it was funny because, like, that is what was happening to Hori and her family. She was being, quote-unquote, replaced at certain moments by Miyamura, which I found endlessly funny. Mm. Uh, the the dad being like, where's my darling boy? <laughs> where's my where's the best boy who graduated? And the little brother is like, oh, it's Christmas time. Like, where's big brother? It's time to play cards. And Corey's like, you know who's my family? Jesus Christ. Well, actually, I'm going to retract my statement. I felt like that was me being like overly snarky without really thinking about when I said no. So I'm actually going to say there is a character that did no me and that would be Yuki. Because she's... St- <laughs> no. no. 
No. <laughs> the Dice, Daisuke Ono can't save that character for me. Uh, but no, Yuki, I'm going to say. And again, this hmm. is despite the show's own tripping up, the fact that it's tied its own shoelaces together, um, she starts off essentially as just a quirky side character. She's Hori's fe- like female friend, you know. She is the Wakaba to the Utena, basically, if you want to use that comparison. Uh, but while not obviously reaching the same heights as Wakaba in New Zealand, I mean, that's comparison to Utena, which is deeply unfair, to be honest. But nonetheless, yeah. she grows from simply being a side character uh, to having her own arc, which, again, despite the show ultimately undermining its own message, is still a valid one to make. Like, just because the show doesn't actually, like, you know, deliver on that message doesn't mean I can't still, like, say, hey, I at least agree with the idea that you were bringing up until he fucks it up. Um, and they did some good things with her character with, like, you know, the way they framed, like, how she was trying... I mean, the whole idea, for example, of her doing, like, cooking, uh, doing baking, because Sakura's baking, I actually think that's a legitimately insight, like, legitimately authentic insight into how anyone would act if they felt like they were in competition with someone for a person, shall we say, for a romantic partner, where with Ivan realising it, what they feel they need to do is to beat them at their game, in this case, the baking, as opposed to being authentic to themselves and doing their own thing. I think that's a legitimately like fair point to make, because people do do that. Um, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, as I say, like the whole thing is undermined by the way, and it just kind of falls apart. But she still did start a particular place, and she was better off in my estimation at the end of the show so that's my actual, honest, hmm. non-snarky, non-bullshitty answer. Yuki is definitely that person for me. Um, everyone else pretty much either stayed the same or went down in my estimations, which goes both for Hori and <laughs> Miyamura, I will point out. Man, you, like, I have to say that the criticisms we made of her character arc got to me so much that like, seeing her at the end, I was just like annoyed. I was annoyed at the character. <laughs> just like you know, God, why? Why haven't you asked Toro to be your boyfriend? Just fucking do it. God damn it. So, anyway. Uh, Do you have anything else you want to add to that? I mean, I don't think you What's your point to that question there, Do you have anything else to add? No, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, Sengoku and uh, and Remy. You know, I'd understand Remy not, you know, Rackham says Sengoku, sure, but Remy didn't. I, there were some points where she was, I thought, really uh, tender towards Sakura that I, you know, I think that's when I started enjoying mm. Remy's character. Um, and she showed some vulnerability, you know, thinking that everything is going to change after graduation. Uh, you know, when he when, when my boyfriend gets a car, he's going to drive away. My best friend might stop hanging out with me, you know, things like that, which I thought were uh, some nice touches of vulnerability for the character. Yeah, I actually will agree with you there. Um, I think for me, I have this problem where the horse has come on, where characters like Remy and Sumo, so they, they get introduced early on, there is no redeeming quality to them as presented. And also the show is admittedly right. a fault for this by not then... I, I, I mean, I'll get, I'm will get. i going to get a little ahead of myself because I feel like I have a whole Remy and Sugimoto like, massive talking player. But the thing is, I've talked about this before, there is obviously, you know, the audience ourselves watching the show, and there is the audience of characters in the show. And what I mean by Mm -hmm. that, if there is to be a change of opinion between, uh, you know, when, say, for example, Remy and Sumimoto were complete idiots towards Hori and Miyamura, then we, 
And them, them also being the audience of a different stripe, need to have that see that happen. We need to see like this change happen over time. And that clearly has happened to them, Miyamura and Hori. We never see it. And that is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a deep flaw to this show in terms of like trying to get us to care about Su- uh, <clears throat> about Su- uh, Sengoku and... Uh, Sengoku. I nearly said Sugimoto again. I'm so sorry. Sengoku <laughs> and Remy. Because mm-hmm. we're not on the same page as the characters in the show. We should right. clearly be of, a, of an alike opinion on this, you know, when it comes to these characters. Yeah. But we're not. There is a dissonance between us and them. And that's simply because whatever, even if it exists in the manga or not, whatever scene there was where, say, for example, Sengoku apologizes profusely for his behavior and they reconcile and then they go out and have, like, you know, a burger afterwards or goes to the arcade, mm-hmm. however you want to do it, never happened in the show. And I cannot get past mm-hmm. that fact. And granted, that's your marriage made very thing, but that's why ultimately they never grew up because I'm like, I couldn't get past the fact that he was such a bell end. I'm sorry. He was. So was she. She was. She was also pretty terrible. Uh, She's a bit shit for at, at least you know the four episodes. You know, just the, some moments of being just garbage and yeah, uh, yeah really treating Hori badly, mm-hmm. uh, which bothered me a lot. Yes. So, uh, but it came around because I'm a sucker. Uh, what's that, next? You're you're better than me to be fair in that regard. Like that's not that's not a fault or a problem. It doesn't make you a sucker. Um, but that's actually it for Patreon questions. Uh, we've okay, had, we've had our ones today. So thank you very much to Kate. Thank you very much to Rackin for putting those in there. Um, if you of course are wanting to get because you might be listening to this on the free side, so thinking, hey, I'd like to ask them questions as well and make them you know decide what their favorite ships are. To which the answer is obviously it's going to be the Evergreen. That thing blocks that ship for a fucking week. It was great spectacular i loved it uh no obviously you ask me any like you know what my favorite ship is in the show or for something more insightful uh, shall we say uh get yourself on patreon.com forward slash warrior death show two three five dollars tiers if you want to get on to like the same level as what Me was on three dollars will get you access to uh ask us questions about our second stream podcast to be decided what we're covering next season but we're going to get that underway this coming weekend actually at the time of recording so do check that out all right now it's time for talking points, and who oh boy, do I do I have a few? Ooh, um, now, before I even begin, I want to point something out. I think my opinion of the show overall is going to be profoundly meh, basically. <laughs> but okay. I'm going to save the one positive talking point I have for the very end, because I think that that's the note I want to leave the show on, because I do think it still has a cogent and welcome point to make about trauma. Um, and also how we deal with trauma, and in particularly how the fact that one's life can improve substantially in terms of what you have that's good in your life doesn't make that trauma magically disappear. So keep that in mind. I'm going to say a lot of horrible, mean things coming up soon. I'm going to be very angry. I'm going to be very, very, you know, pissy shading, you know, the usual. If you've ever seen me like talk, for example, on uh, Kabuki Show Sherlock, I'm bringing that kind of vibe back with some mm. of this. Oh, God, that's like, that's an awful show. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, there is a phobia of sorts. I mean, it talks about transphobia in this one. There's an adjacent phobia. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I'm not not saying that just just for like, 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 you know, like jinx or whatever. But anyway, right. So I suppose I should get my first talking power out of the way, which is to follow on from what I said about uh, Sengoku here. Get the discussion about him and Raimi out there. Um, 
so I've already mentioned, of course, the big problem I had with the fact that we were not on the same page as Hori and Miyamura in terms of thinking of them as likable people. That's already out there. That's a problem. Ain't getting past that. But there's two other issues with them that I find really irritating. There is a scene that happens in one of the episodes. I don't remember the number of it. I think, in fact, no, I have my notes here. I can obviously check. Um, mm. Which is episode eight. Remy is giving a flashback discussion of how she met Sengoku, saying, like, the boy I love is really weak and all that. Now, right. this is a structural problem, because my question is this, Doc, and you're more than welcome to answer in case I missed it. Who is she telling this to? She's just thinking it. I don't think she's talking to anybody. Yeah. Th- this framing is completely bizarre. It's just an inner monologue that's happening, a propose of nothing, and it's coming to me, someone who's already, like, you know, completely nutsly on, not on board with her or her boyfriend as a character. And I cannot help but think, again, this is a disconnect between audience in show or in, in universe, the, the di- diegetic audience versus us, the actual audience audience. Why is she not discussing this with someone else? How about she actually has a frame where she, framing device where she discusses it with Hori as a way of her explaining why Sengoku has been a bastard, and that then leads into the apology. Like, none of what's actually in there is bad per se, but it's completely perfunctory and happens for basically no reason. And I just couldn't help but think of it as absolute filler. It's not being told to anyone. It doesn't fundamentally change hers or his behavior. Why is it here? Well, it's supposed to change... I think go some way to changing how we, the audience, like I don't think everything in a piece of media has to be uh, diegetic. I think there could be non-diegetic elements. Um, so I'm not like super hardcore about that. Um, so yeah, I think it was for our benefit. It is supposed to give some more backstory, texture, personality, all that stuff to these characters. Um, now it would have been interesting if, as you say, this had been like the preface to some kind of conversation, uh, some, some kind of, uh, contrition on their part towards, uh, Hori for their earlier shittiness. Mm-hmm. That would have been nice. That would have been nice. We didn't get that, but I think what we did get is not altogether useless because I do think this is what, um, started to push the ball downhill for me. Uh, in terms of of these characters growing on me. Okay, that's fair. Um, Again, I admit my horse blinders on this one, where I just couldn't get past their initial presentation. I thought, this this is for my benefit, but I don't care about you. I don't care about your stupid dickhead boyfriend. Why are you telling (laughs) me any of this? Also, why are we not having time... I mean, also, this is time spent on them rather than anything else. Which, I mean, that's why I talk about being diegetic in the sense, like, not only would that be nice to have, but also be more economical in terms of the screen time that you choose to use here. It is something that happens in a vacuum that has no effects on the rest of the show. It is purely for our benefit, and it was waste on me, and it could have been spent on anyone else. And that's why I think the diegetic element is useful, because it doesn't, well, for what it's not. Tanihara! <laughs> oh, God. Um, so that's so that's my like that's my criticism of that, and I, I also have to know, unless mm. I'm mistaken, I think that's the only time that really happens, save for Miyamura. Uh, but Miyamura's interiority right. uh, has been a fairly consistent element throughout the show's run, and it does play into yeah. his behavior with Hori. Uh, whereas this one is just here's backstory about a character I could not give less of a toss about. So whatever. Um, 
the other issue I have, um, there is a scene in one of the episodes, and I can't remember which one it is offhand, where uh, Sengoku, um, Sakura's like confessed her feelings to Toru and she comes in to see Sengoku and she bursts into tears. Now, this was something I saw recently on Twitter that I hadn't realised, even though I'd kind of known it unconsciously. And I think it's a really, really great point to make, which is one of the key things that anime does. And it's not specific, just like, it's not that anime can solely do this and nothing else can. It's just more of a artifact of its production and the culture it comes from, which is anime has a great deal of interiority to its characters, often in a monologues, for example, mm-hmm. whereas you will never see that in live action, really, like uh, particularly from Western live action, I should note as well. Uh, I don't know what it is necessarily about the Japanese psyche or Japanese culture that causes us to have more in the monologues where we get that, but we do. Um, and so that's actually, that. by the way, it came from film critic Hulk. Uh, so shouts to him because he's great and amazing. He's really good. Um, mm-hmm. So great observation from him. And it really helped me crystallize another reason why I like anime as a medium so much. Um, so yeah, I'm bringing up the interiority element here because this scene is when Sakura has just been rejected by Toru. And I want to ask you a question, Doc. If you were writing this, and this is a bit really perhaps a little unfair of me in terms of asking you this question, and also just for the show, but if you were to have it in a monologue, it's, would you pick Sakura or Sengoku to have this in a monologue, given the nature of the scene, which is she's just been rejected and she's trying to process her feelings? Oh, man. Hmm. So Goku is, by the way, not even really like a friend of hers as such. He knows her through Remy, basically. Through Remy, right, right. When well, she serves on the student council, so like they work together. In a, so, in but a kind I, of quasi-professional capacity. But yeah, they're not like close. They're not close friends or anything, but they they're well acquainted. Um I actually like that scene. So I don't know if if I would change it. Like if like I I I like the kind of the perspective of observing this woman undergo this, and there's just like a dignity to it, and. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that you, that it couldn't have been done even better if we got it from Konosakura's point of view, but mm-hmm. um, I'm not. This is not one of the scenes I think about when I think about things that should be changed about the show. I just found it a bit strange that the interiority was all. Um, God, I almost said Sumo again. Like, I'm just gonna start calling Sumo. So I'm just gonna mm-hmm. deal with it. So, you know <laughs> what I mean? Sengoku, red, red. prick. I don't <laughs> like him. I don't feel like I deserve, he deserves a dignity. The prez. Yeah, press. Student Council press. Like, it's his internal monologue. And I found mm-hmm. that very strange because the show, generally speaking, is pretty on point with having its interiority be about the characters are going through, when it comes to emotional beats, the emotional drama. Uh, I mean, I literally just mentioned an entire internal monologue section, which was, of course, Remy's mm-hmm. like extended flashback. That was centered around her perspective. Okay, mm-hmm. I get that. Um, but I just found it very bizarre that after all that Sakura has been through, and again, this could also be a lesson that she could learn where sometimes it just doesn't work out and she's got to deal with her emotions, which, by the way, seems to just be resolved off screen, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, she just meets... So much does, of that. She does so say... She, she does She does actually, like, have a final moment with Toru, I think, in episode 13, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. But 
the interim process yeah. of getting over that pain is whatever. Um, but yeah, I just thought to myself, I don't like the fact that this is a. It feels like it's framed around being for this scene is for his benefit and not hers, which is strange given that she's the one who's just been through that. I I don't know. I yeah. felt I felt a disquiet I mean, about it. I know what you mean. I mean that's. I hear where you're coming from. I'd have to watch it again. I I don't think automatically is like that that what she's going through is lessened by not being by sort of the scene not being from her point of view. Again, I think there was something I don't know there was there was like uh a dignity about her her pain uh and I think that very specific kind of dignity would have been lost had we been let in and allowed to uh be be privy to the pain in terms of like her words or you know, images that are going through her mind or anything like that. Um, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe that just would have struck an emotional tenor that they didn't want to, which is not a reason not to do it, I guess, per se, but, um, mm. or, or rather not, it's not like a, something that counters your argument, that, that last statement. Um, but I hear where you're coming from. I'll, I guess all I can say is that it didn't hit me that way, that, that I just felt like that, uh, I just felt uh, nothing but empathy for her in that scene. I didn't even think about Sengoku. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, okay, he's a little, you know, maybe feels a little awkward. Um, but, you know, um, but yeah, I guess uh, he needed, I, I think if another person wasn't in the room, she would have not broken down. And maybe that's why an interlocutor was needed, but but still, you might say it could have been framed from her point of view. And yeah, I just go back to I just I don't know I just enjoyed the scene, like rather than being in her head, I enjoyed being able to be outside of it and observe her actions. Yeah, that's, that's and enjoy fair. that's I don't not taking pleasure in her pain, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very resonant. I'm going to and, drink her tears uh, like a fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deeply felt scene for me, but but yeah. So okay. Uh, anyway, uh, is... um, I'll I'll end this just by saying that I think that sometimes mm. the show okay. has a framing problem, uh, and indeed mm. a, a lot of what I'm going to criticize is not necessarily the content, but the structure of it. Particularly when we get to Hori's biphobia. Uh, just wait till you talk. Wait, hear me talk about that. Because I'm going to prove that she's biphobic based on structural criticism and not actually what she says. Just you fucking wait. I will do it. Uh, um, okay. But my point is... Well, you don't have to prove it to me. I think she is, for sure. But but um, my, my point is, I think that the show struggles with framing its material and what around the right characters at the right time and in a way that hmm. is mean, as meaningful as it can be. This is why, again, why I felt Raimi's flashback was perfunctory. This is why we don't have that transition from hating uh, Sengoku to liking him, because that doesn't happen in the show proper. And then what I said with the Sakura and Sengoku scene where she breaks down, and yet it's about his inner monologue and not hers, which is weird and unusual yeah. and strange to me. I don't think that works at all. It should not be about him mm. in any way, basically. And the, uh, giving him that interiority affords him a certain credence and a certain amount of, um, like, storyline, how do you say, dramatic investment that he is not deserving in that particular scene, however else I might feel about him, 
because it's about what she's going through. And yet, here's my little log, and I was like, first time I saw her one cry, I was weird. I'm like, I don't give a shit what you think. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, now I think, I don't know. I don't think it's a valueless perspective, even though, like... It's a less valuable Again, one. I, I, well, I don't think, and, and I just don't think, yeah, I mean, it, it might not be something that you're interested in, um, but I don't, again, I don't think it's a valueless perspective nor a valueless learning experience for the character and i don't think it diminishes sakura in any kind of way like mm-hmm. um just because this was seen the the sort of fade to silhouette you know was kind of like we, we get his thoughts i don't know um i agree with you that the show in the second half is guilty of like losing its focus and has you know those framing problems that you that you pointed out and just struggles struggles a lot more um my my first talking point is that i it's that on balance considering everything from frame one to frame thin uh i think this is i would call this amounts a good anime uh but i think it is a bad adaptation uh i think it is just uh an exhibit uh of like how to like poorly adapt source material i mean there's all kinds of things like the the fact that there's like cutting room floor stuff shown in the credits that could potentially be better or worse than the worst parts of the show i think is is weird i think that after a strong first half the show really loses its way loses momentum in the second half and there's so much screen time taken up by things that are inconsequential and that doesn't mean that it it didn't amuse me some of the time like i said it did but like we've seen the highest highs of the show where it can be both amusing us and it can be giving us things to think about and substantive uh kind of narrative stuff and it just introduced too many characters that get too little screen time and ended up not really mattering. That could have been so much material cut from this. I mean, if you wanted to, you could have even like made episode six, uh, the last episode, like you could have really beefed up those first episodes. And, you know, we talk, we, we talked about like, man, I like it when an anime has, uh, the structure uh, of romance that like the couple gets together not at the very end but in the middle and then you could see relationship problems and you could see growth and development in the latter Things half happen. of the show but if that falls apart you know i would rather have the chase be like the thing and then they get together for the and it's a crescendo to that moment right and i think that would have serve the show better i mean and i know anime is a collaborative process and i know this is not just on like the directors you know there are production committees there are uh the mangaka uh hero is the writer and the and the artist uh, whose name i can't quite remember it's um uh hagiwara daisuke mm-hmm. um like they have input into this too they might just be like look you can't cut shit from my manga if you want to use it you gotta you know they could have taken a hard line on it yeah um so but but still i think what we got was um just a poor adaptation and was not as good as it could have been i could see 
you know, you like to do this where you like to see how things could have been better. And usually I'm not like super kind of on that wavelength. Like it's just not what I'm interested in thinking about a lot of the time, but it's just so obvious here. Like things could have been so obviously cut um, to make this a better story or, 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 you know, maybe add a little bit here and there or, you know, cut out certain parts and just go farther into the life of the, the manga. I don't know. But, but what we got was like very disjointed, uh, unfocused uh, for more than half of its runtime and, you know, just had really strong points, but got drugged down by just a lot of things that were either outright bad or, you know, even if you like those arcs, like there's just a lot of stuff that's like, you just didn't need it. You just yeah. didn't need it. I, I 100% agree with you. Um, so something you said to me, Doc, on a previous podcast on, on this show was this show did think something that I find that I wanted them to do, which, as you said, was they hook up. Heck, they have they start a sexual relationship. You know, that was the thing I said, like, you know, why didn't this happen in Mo Junkie? For fuck's sake. <laughs> Even in the bonus episode, they didn't fuck. What a joke. Uh, never mind, never mind. That's not the point. But there's a phrase that my, and this is going to sound like a strange tangent, but hear me out. Like, one of the things that I am asked to do at work is provide data analysis. And a part of that is the so what uh, of that, which is how my manager describes it. So I can give you the numbers, but I then have to provide an interpretation of it. Uh, a story, what, yeah. A story. So what does that have anything to do with what we're talking about here? Well, you said, like, hey, these characters do these things where they are in a relationship, and they are, indeed, it actually does become a sexual relationship. Uh, where's the so what to that? You did it. Great. Mm-hmm. Now what? Because the show, like, as soon as that, as soon as they actually do do that, you know, when Hori, like, drinks his delicious spine juice by biting on the back of his neck, um... <laughs> You know, right. delicious fine juice. Yeah, yes. when, when when that happens, they basically DSJ. they basically vanish from the show in terms of being active major participants until episode 12, 13. And I thought to myself, this show has a stunning lack of imagination about what it means to be in a relationship. Um, like it hit those points, like hey, couples do hook up and they do date publicly, uh, and they may even well have sex. But now what? Yeah. I mean, okay, let's talk about the sex element. You know. Let's play the smooth jazz while we talk about this. Let's, you know, let's get that. The out of sex it. element. The careless whisper sex. Anyway, okay. So, I know you're going to bring up Shinemessa because I'm, because Lord knows that I can see it. I've seen in my visions here. But here's the thing: Shinemessa is a show set in a dystopian future where sex is outlawed in every form, shape, talking about, etc. What we don't get, uh, like when I bring up Shinemessa as a kind of sex positive show, what we don't get is we don't get sex positive shows that are actually based in some semblance of reality, funnily enough. At yeah, least yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And so here's the thing, right? Hori and Miyamura, they are dating, they are fucking. How about we have, and again, you are right in that maybe I should perhaps not place too much emphasis on suggesting fixes or what I would have liked to see, because it's less interesting than commenting on what's actually there. But how about we get some sex positive stuff where they actually talk about some stuff like, hey, uh, it, what about contraception? We can have some silly jokes about buying condoms or something. Maybe Miyamura's like drops condoms in the in the classroom by accident in this pack, and everyone sees him. There's a big freak out. You can make comedy out of that. There's a joke for you. And maybe <laughs> maybe 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 the joke could be that he picks it up and says, "Extra safe, lame." You know, like that could that could be a joke. Like there's there's 
potential here for that. And you can also Sengoku has to talk to him. It's like I could suspend you for this, but he's so embarrassed. I, yeah, it's I like, could. Oh my god, I could suspend you for this because it's not riff for her pleasure. Because you're lame. Exactly. You're lame. You are lame, Miyamura. <laughs> Yeah, we can have jokes uh, like that. It's not or, we, or we can actually have more <laughs> yeah. substantive discussion where it turns out that, oh, uh, you know, we didn't use contraception the first time around and we got lucky. Let's have an actual discussion about it. It doesn't need to be anything like PSA hell level, but there are ways you can integrate this material, you know. You can do something with it. Sure. Or, or, as, or insofar as the relationship is concerned, how about we have, I mean, one thing I'll note, they hold hands, but we never really see them like actually holding hands in front of other people. Or they don't kiss in public after that point. That never happens. It feels like something happens and it feels like they reset back to normal. It's very strange. Um, mm. And I feel like they could do more of that. Mm. Or also how about they go out on dates? Like so much of the show is focused around the school. Do they go to the cinema? Do they go to a concert? How about how about we right. have a, how about right. we have a joke scene where Hori says, Oh, I know Weimar, you that you are alternative, or at least you were until I, you know, like sat on your face or whatever and forced that out of you. <laughs> um how about we, you know, go to a rock concert? And then Miyamura's like, you know, I don't really go in for mosh pits, Hori, and then he looks to his left and Hori's not there, and she's actually smacking the shit out of people in a hosh- mosh pit. And he's like he just like goes like little, little chibi face where he shocks. There's a joke for you. That works. Um but yeah, the the show, like, once the characters actually are together openly, doesn't know what to do with them. And I think for me, the penultimate, or the ultimate indication of this, rather, is in episode 12, where when pressed to think of what to say to Hori, he says, let's get married. And look, I'm not saying that people of that age can't decide to get married there and then. That's not for me to say. But it just to me feels like something so thrown out there is just a thing that he... Because he had to think of something to say. That all I could think to myself was, this is a, a tacit admission on the writer's part. They've run out of ideas for where to progress this relationship and what to do with it. Like, what do we do next? They get married. Okay, fine, we'll have to say that. It just felt very, like, put in there because, fuck, we haven't got a clue what to do next with him. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... So, there is, I think there's some of what you described that you want, it's just played for laughs. <laughs> like, there's the whole bit with the kink, um, oh, which is like, you know, kind of it's worms, a sex though. thing. That's a, uh, that's a kind of worms, though, but, because that's not executed properly, but I do hear where you're coming from otherwise, though. I mean, I guess, like, like I didn't, I it, it didn't bother me, like, but I could, I mean, once again, this is just totally... This is me. I'm not saying if it bothered you, you stupid or something like that. Oh, I am anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that that was kind of a sex thing, and they had some fun with it, and you know they did the joke where like Miyamura gets caught doing it, uh, and other people think he's being mean to her, but it's like you know <laughs> she's she's into it, and like I think you know they. The, the, you uh, you know Rackham said like why didn't they talk about it I felt like kind of shorthand for that was the going back and forth um, they did have some conversations about it like a, you know like do you really want me to do this I don't know if I'm great at this uh, but like they kind of keep trying it a little bit 
I don't remember her pressuring him like do it. I remember the way I remember it is he saw how delighted she was and he like kind of kept trying until he got it. Mm-hmm. And uh and I don't think that's like um it just didn't it didn't and it didn't seem like inauthentic, you know what I mean? It didn't seem like well this would never happen. Like this is super contrived. I don't know. It, it just felt a little bit natural cuz I'm sure that like not everybody is uh ready from the off to like indulge in their significant other's kink but they kind of you know if they're in a healthy relationship you know without the pressure rackham's talking about uh they can like you know in order to help their partner they can work up to it and kind of and do it so like so there was that but i mean i do i think even though that was there i mean there could have been there should have been more they should have had I wanted more discussions, like you said. I wanted more dates. I wanted more them getting to know interesting things about each other. Things not say in the school. Like commentary on, oh, for yeah, on yeah. her relationship. Like that, those are the two environments that basically exist for Hori and Miyamura. I know that characters are seen elsewhere. Like, for example, we have them in the bookstore. And also, of course, mm-hmm. uh, wherever it's fucking, like the burger place, the burger joint, you know. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't get to see them to do anything other than be at school or be at home. Uh, which, mm-hmm. I mean, this was produced during COVID, so I suppose that makes some sort of sense, but, <laughs> well. They're like, we must be responsible. <laughs> but, but, but no, uh, like, um, oh no, you finished, because I was no, going to say something I, about I'm, the I'm marriage Karen, thing. Karen. Uh, but, like, the, so, I, I wanted to see more, but, like, the marriage thing to me did not feel like a Hail Mary, because... Unlike you, I did feel an observable. I thought you were about to say I'm tangent. married. <laughs> I'm married. Unlike you, no. Unlike you, I am married. So shut the fuck up. Unlike you, know you. What we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I did get married very young. Not, I did not propose while I was in high school. Um, you know, but but you know, I did propose after knowing my wife for nine months. That's like the length of time I knew her. And I proposed, and we got married, and here we are 15 years later, still together. Uh, so, you know, that is a thing that could happen with them, uh, with Hori and Mia. But, like, the, I think the proposal, like, it didn't, it, it didn't read to me as, like, desperation on a part of the writers, just because, and this tracks back to what I was starting to say, I felt like, um, there was an observable difference, like a, a difference I could feel between the two. Like they just felt like safe together. They felt totally open like that. A lot of the, not all the awkwardness, but all of a certain kind of awkwardness between them seemed to fall away. And they seemed to, and they, they kind of talk about it a little bit in the finale where he's again, making that really, beautiful inner monologue when he says like i feel no boundary between us and this would have been the scariest thing ever to the old me but it's this incredible gift now uh and that kind of was like oh yes like that is a great way to encapsulate how i feel like these characters are relating to each other like there's just a closeness i felt that after they started dating that was between them even if they weren't you know doing pdas or uh, or anything like that, like and it was still there, and so the marriage thing did not feel so like out of left field. Like I don't know, I just found it kind of romantic hmm. and enjoyable. 
Uh, so I that that part I actually liked quite a bit. That I I I cannot I cannot say you wrong. Like I think it's a matter of personal opinion. Um, I just I don't know. No, I, I do know what I'm talking about. I, I exactly know what I'm talking about, which is, I, and I think that you and I can agree on this, which is there needed to be more variety. Like, marriage mm-hmm. is, I mean, whatever you might, I might want to say about, like, me thinking the marriage is false, but, like, it is not the same as going on a date or doing dates, shall we say. Like, it is a, commit, is a commitment you make as opposed to a date, which is a mm-hmm. thing, a discreet event. Like, you know, I don't, I don't, for example, say, like, hey, let, let's get married, and then... I say it again like two weeks later, just as in substitution for like going to the cinema or whatever. Um, so I wanted to see more actual date activity or couple activity, mm. shall we say? Because mm-hmm. um, there could have been good stuff with that. I mean, they've already played off before the idea that Miyamura is an alternative guy or was, uh, you know, and he's like into certain things like the films they've watched. How about we build on that? He doesn't like scary films. She wants to go see a scary film at the cinema where the lights are on, mm-hmm. and you can play into all sorts of stuff with that. It could be fun. Uh, that would have been a great episode. Yeah, there you go. They're, they're... Cut, cut the be kind to your bullies or oh, God. The, go to the movies. We've got to talk about that in a bit. Uh, yeah. But I su- do you have anything else to add to that uh, talking point, Doc, before we move on? Uh, we should take a quick break. We should. Uh, and then uh, we'll get back to it. Oh, I'm so, going to sharpen my knife. I've got to get ready for that. <laughs> See you in a bit. And we're back. Thank you for being patient. Uh, so here we go. Shadon has spent the break sharpening knives and getting that getting that wit ready to, you know, repost into uh, oh the my. soft underbelly of Horimiya. Okay, so let's pick our poison here. What do you want me to talk about? Do you want me to talk about the uh, atrociously rancid moral message of that you can be friends with anyone? I.e. the Joe Biden perspective. That's working out fucking great, then, <laughs> isn't it? Or do you want me to pick the uh, Horimiya, you know, endorses biphobia and tries to make it funny and doesn't do anything substantial with it? Pick your poison here, you know, like this is the uh, this is the visual novel choice and both of them have a bad ending. So uh, you fucking pick. Uh, uh, Let's talk about you could be friends with anyone. Oh, boy. I also have strong opinions about this. Okay, it's time for me to tell a little story then in that case. Uh, this is where I talk about personal history again. So I was bullied quite a lot in school. Uh, I have had one person who bullied me since then say to me, "Oh, we only tried to, we only bullied you a little." Uh, to that person, eat a dick, fuck off. You don't get to decide retroactively to assuage your own conscience. You know, like, oh, we didn't do that. Much. It wasn't still, that bad. I'm still dealing with scars, but even to stay, so eat fucking shit but that's not the person i'm talking about there was a person uh, who bullied me at school including following me home throwing stuff in my house and all that uh, who one day i decided to actually slam his head into a wall in the school i'll admit this on camera i don't give a shit uh, it happened like over 15 statute of limitations yeah. yeah exactly um but it happened in school framework as well i was nearly expelled for that by mm. the way funnily enough um you mentioned this on pod before actually oh so it, i did or, or either yeah, either on pod or to me. I, I think it was on pod, but yeah. what? I'm fairly confident I did. It's an awful story. Yeah. Uh, what I probably didn't tell you is that that person, um, I actually was in the same pub as him uh, later on in life. Like, I mean, this was like when I was 19. He actually wanted to get a friend of his to stab me as a result of what happened in school, funnily enough. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> Although said friend of his came and actually spoke to me and my friend of mine and said, I'm not, of course, not fucking doing that. I think he's a twat. Uh, but here's the thing, right? 
this lesson that Miyamura posits, which is literally, you can be friends with anyone if you try. Um, no. absolutely fucking lutely not. Uh, I mean, that's someone who held a grudge against me so much that they once want to kill me later in life. Um, you know. Why would I want to be friends with them? Like, I suppose maybe his lesson is true if you take it in the very literal sense that if you felt like trying, you could do it. But the actual act of trying is incumbent on, you know, uh, an incentive to do so. It's a very different thing. Um, mm. And I don't understand why he feels compelled suddenly to want to make friends with Tani Twatihara, Twatihara, yeah. whatever his name is, you know. <laughs> like, because the thing is, I said before about, like, you know, how I'm still dealing, even today, with the effects of, like, going through high school. That's true of Miyamura. Mm -hmm. He still isn't high school, but he still carries his trauma with him, which I'll talk about as a separate point at the end of this podcast. Um, so why would he want to make friends with someone who's done that kind of harm to him? I don't understand this. I don't understand this lesson. I don't understand the idea of turning the other cheek. Uh, I'm not religious. I don't and even if I were, I don't think, you know, like, my time should be wasted on, like, people like that who, you know, have committed such evil against me. Um, I find this lesson reprehensible because it demands a mental and spiritual energy of people that should not be given because it'll just hurt you in the end. There are people out there who do not want to be your friend in turn. They're, like, they're not like Tanihara where he decides to somehow like have a change of conscience because Hori beat the shit out of him. Which is the insane thing for him doing this, by the way. He was a twat yep. to Miyamura again until she beat him up. Which, I'm sorry, that's not that's not a change of heart. You know, mm -hmm. I got hit, I got, I got, you know, beat, I got the shit kicked out of me and now I feel bad. That doesn't mean he's changed for the better. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Fuck off. It does not mean that he has suddenly had a moral, like, you know, epiphany. And kiss my ass on that. He got physically intimidated into it. So I'm bigger and stronger and came along. You know. Uh, so no, I find this entire moral lesson to be utterly reprehensible. It's bollocks. It doesn't work out in practice. Um, and I just, I, no, I have nothing more to add over this shit and I hate it. Okay. There's two two things I want to say. One, I do think that there is, there can be something to be gained from making peace with and or forgiving your abusers in one's own heart and mind, right? Hmm. Um, as part of a journey to becoming a more holistically healthy person. So as, a, as, think, a he, as a practice of healing then, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there's something to be, to be said for that, for sure. However, however, the way the show frames the friendship of Miyamura and Tanihara is not that it it is first of all it the whole thing takes place in far too short of a time to, yes. for me to feel like it has earned the right to say and Miyamura forgave his tormentor right like it happens so fucking quickly and it happens for the benefit of Tanihara mm. like he's he's the one who is shown 
to be troubled and upset and You're, wanting to oh, somehow God. make amends. And like You're it's right. us centering his pain. You're uh, right. Which is right. horseshit. It's such horseshit, which is why, like, I mean, Mia Mura is the one who should dictate the terms of this. Christ. You, it you is. Know, you know what's you know what's amazing about it. You know, I was saying before about the whole like Sakura and uh, Sengoku scene, and I felt it was said mm-hmm. the wrong wrong person. This did not even occur to me, but it is that. I mean, you and I have our disagreements about that scene, but times I am, a now thousand. That, now that you've made that clear <laughs> to me, I'm on board with you. Yeah, why is it centered around this guy? Why should we care about him? I, I don't. I don't. I mean, maybe maybe it's benefiting. Miyamura in some way but the way the show makes it look again is that it's all about Tanihara and him making peace with bad shit he did which he should do but I don't think Miyamura needs to be responsible for that and like I said at the beginning of this that I think there is something to be said for forgiving your abusers I don't think one has to do it like trauma victims don't really have to do anything and the show the show makes it seem like miyamura should become this guy's best friend and sort of do all this stuff and he really just shouldn't i mean he just shouldn't have to uh like it's it's just one thing if Miyamura one day is like, man, I'm going to go on, you know, I'm going to call these guys up and I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to say my piece and then we can hug it out or whatever. But like, yeah, that's just not how it happens. It's so shitty. And the, the second point I wanted to make is like that this show seems to want to say something about the nature of bullies, mm-hmm. like who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it shows Tanihara and look, you could you could blame me here. You could be like, well, you're just taking this one character and generalizing the show as saying this is true of all these kinds of people. And maybe I am, but I am. Okay. So what the show is doing is saying, Tanihara, you know, here's the real reason that he bullied Miyamura. He's just a boy yanking a girl's pigtails in the third grade because he likes her. You know, he just is obsessed with this kid and uh, can't get him out of his mind in the way he looks at the rabbits. So, you know, so then he, he bullies him and, you know, it's just some kind of like emotional, like childish, childish emotional mismanagement. Right. But it's like, no, like that is not like I, I too was the victim of bullying and nothing like that was going on. Nothing like these dudes are just assholes. Yeah, they're assholes who are have like, you know, who are narcissists, who or have anger issues, or have these fucking god complexes, uh, and feel like they just want to, um, you know, uh, push around other people because it's fun to them, and it has yeah. nothing to do with their like pain or whatever. It's just men being pieces of garbage. Yep. Uh, and that's just a fact. Uh, and I think this show is so fucking naive about like, man, you know, all like they're just like good. You just have to figure them out. It's like, no, we don't have to figure them out. They can go dick off, you know, fuck them. 
you know, if if you if if we feel like it, like I've never felt the need to reach out to any of those assholes, because no, like absolutely I've, not. <laughs> I just and I don't care if they're in pain about it. Like let them be. That's fine. I've made my peace with it. Let them choke on a bag of dicks. For whatever. All I care. And that, you know, I'm sure they're fine with. It. I'm sure, like like in your case, they don't even think anything of it because their fucking point of view was they were just fucking around. Whereas our point of view is like. We were traumatized. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, it like, wasn't so I just, bad. Ha- Fuck off. yeah, I, ha- I just hated all this in the way it was presented from beginning to end. And I just think, just rip it out, rip it out of the show <laughs> entirely. Yeah, I exactly. Hate it. The, the fact that, as you rightly point out, it senses more on Sanihara than Miyamura is, uh, to me, the Achilles heel of the whole thing. Because I do agree with yeah. what you're saying that there are times where it's appropriate to forgive your abusers. I think that's absolutely fair. Uh, you, you know, you shouldn't cast every single person who wrongs you aside. There can sometimes be circumstances which demand a reconciliation. I 100% <laughs> get you on that. Um, but make no mistake, though, when the reconciliation comes about, it should not be about sympathizing with the person doing the wronging. Um, you know, I mean, again, I'll point to Wonder Egg Priority, which was <clears throat> very explicitly about bullying in many cases. Did mm-hmm. we get a sympathetic backstory for any of the Wonder Killers whatsoever? What a contrast. <laughs> of course we fucking didn't. No. Because no. that show, for all its flaws, was written with its sympathies directed towards its main quartet of characters. And a tiny bit towards the actors, but well, we're not perfect, are we? Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway. Mostly the victims, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, like this, and this also, funnily enough, to me, feels like it bleeds over to Sengoku, where I mentioned before the entire absence of this like reconciliation was strange. But what if I told you that also was perhaps part of its des- by design? Instead, it's a feature, not a bug, because it seems to very much mm. like if that's the case, it's contingent mm-hmm. with what happens with Tanihara. Where, oh, these people in dickheads, but we'll just let it slide. I'm like, no. If if what Sengoku, for example, did to Hori, he did to me. Uh, I probably would have headbutted him like Miyamura did. And I wouldn't be talking <laughs> yeah. to him after that point. He's not a person... I mean, my attitude towards him, I must stress, like, mm-hmm. he is a fictional character, but I felt so aggrieved towards him. Like, I don't want to... I don't have any interest in you. You're in a race of utilities. Spent. He could have not returned in the rest of the show, and I would not give him one iota for deep fry shit about it. You know? Yeah. It, but it's very yeah. strange that the show seems to have sympathy or is willing to reconcile or rehabilitate these people without decent narrative justification for doing so it's very very odd uh, and it's completely utterly unwelcome it is really odd isn't it you gotta just wonder what's going through the head of the of the the people writing this like i mean i mean like... the, the the show <laughs> as i'll say at the end when i get to my positive talking point places weighty emphasis on the fact that Miyamura does have lingering trauma and damage and wounds and baggage mm-hmm. from what he's been through. And that clearly is a bad thing. And yet it's okay for him to now be cool with the people who did that to him. Uh, he's not lacking for friends. Uh, and they, I'm not saying that again, just simply point out that is going to be a part of my talk. But later. he's not lacking for, you know, fulfillment in his life. He's not, he seems otherwise happy, like while still dealing with this. He doesn't need to make a token friendship with these people for the sake of having friends. He has them otherwise. People who are genuine. People who deserve his time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What the fuck? (laughs) And it's like, you know, 
you could, I guess, say, like, this is just Miyamura, like, who he is now. And, like, he's become more of this more open person or whatever. But I, I just... Everything about it just rang so false. <laughs> like, and, and again, it just felt like this uh, thing that was about more than Miyamura and Tanihara. It felt like, you know, here is, like, the ideal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's what, here's what should be happening, because, you know bullies are like just you know in their own way are wronged and need help uh and i just want yeah he becomes best friends with the guy i mean this is so fucked <laughs> it's so stupid like it, i just didn't it was just hard to buy as well uh because of the whole like the rushed manner in which it was carried out mm-hmm the irony is, I reckon in some sense, like, with a little bit of change, you could have actually made this better by replacing Sengoku entirely in the story with Tanihara. Maybe he was student council press. Mm. That could be interesting. That could have, like, made everything knit together a little better. If nothing else, because mm. he would have then been in the show for much longer and, like, the antagonism could have gone on for longer to the point where a reconciliation might have felt like a necessity just so that way they weren't constantly fighting. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you might want to reconcile this one, because you need a state of peace. Uh, but mm-hmm. Tanihara did not actually even literally exist in the show until he did. Never mind, like, being a... <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, whereas if he had been around before then, like, as a presence in Miyamura's life, that he just, that Miyamura mm-hmm. just couldn't get... I mean, that's one of the things about high school. Like, you are unfortunately stuck there with the people that you're stuck with, you know? Yeah. So that mm-hmm. would have actually been a cogent point if he'd been there since the beginning. Like, this is this person who's been a prick to me in the past, he's a prick to me now, and I cannot avoid him. But he just seems to turn up out of fucking nowhere because, again, the show's out of ideas, let's invent shit. Let's not properly build up to things, you know. That point, it really did seem like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> like, you have this great collection of characters. Like, spend more time with them. Don't, uh-huh. don't give me this. I would, I would have much rather had like another kind of episode eight or nine than whatever that episode was. It was so terrible. Okay. Um... What is my next talking point? Um, like I said, I didn't take notes. So I'm trying to think, you know, because we talked about the, the love triangle through. Um, um, Do you want to talk about the biphobia? No. I mean, you, I, know you, I know you will. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about the biphobia. I'd rather. That's the best answer not I be. could have expected to that. <laughs> Rather just not be in the show to not talk about it. Oh um, boy! But I mean, well, you did. Um, I thought you raised an interesting, uh, like a good point, uh, in our in our Discord chat about the show when uh, Toru Yoshikawa like rejected. Uh, Kono oh, Sakurai. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. And, w- and one of the things he said, I guess, when he was explaining it to Yuki, was like you know well you know she confessed to me or whatever but i said no because uh because she's out of my league um and i wouldn't i would not have been good for her and um oh, god it was a it was a turn of phrase that you hated a lot and i i totally get it cuz like i mean the implication there is like you know she's too hot for me 
But if we ever can start I, dating, can it's I, because you're can, the you're the appropriate level of hotness, can I, not can I, too can beautiful. I intervene here and just say very uh-huh. quickly, part of the reason I hated this so much is because she came on to him. This yeah. is not a question of him, like, thinking, like, funny enough, like Yuki does. Right. Where, right. oh, I'm not going to do it because they're out of my league. Like, she's out of my league, but she came on to me. These, these do not con- reconcile together. These are yeah. contradictory statements. It is bollocks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it's like poor phrasing. I think, I, I'm in my generous reading of this, what I think Toru meant was that that we would not fit together, that we're not a good match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would have been, obviously, a much better thing to say to Yuki. Um, and I think, you know, probably... And it just would have gone down better. But I think there's just this whole kind of... there. There is a, a bit of a theme in the show of characters thinking that the people that they have a crush on are out of their reach. Well, that's that's Yuki and Yanagi. Because um, Yanagi, mm-hmm. like, apparently is a super hottie. Um, and I think Yuki says, like... But also, again, like, you know, don't come on to it and... Look, Everybody I, fucking bags on her. Like, how could you turn this guy down? He's like yeah. a mega hot or whatever. But um, I, I think I think as you say, it could partially be a phrasing question. But I mean, let me just put it out there, right? I have had that perspective myself in the past. I've actually had it for quite a long time. There are my league. I ain't fucking doing right. shit. And funny enough, that actually serves as a nice contrast to the lesson that Yuki was trying to be taught, and the show ultimately bottled it on, which was you mm-hmm. know. Uh, seize the moment take a chance and all that and yeah so so i'm not saying that it's like i i think it's a completely wrong perspective to have but make no mistake when i say this i'm not saying that we don't explore people having that feeling because it's a feeling people do have 100 yeah. um, mm-hmm. i mean it's I'm, a, it's a the feeling sh- the show's doing it wrong nah i right um so I think the the good example of this and where the show gets right some of the arcs of the other characters is in the main couple uh Hori and Miyamoto Miyamura I keep doing Miyamoto Miyamura uh you know he thinks that she's out of his league for sure as does everyone else you know why are you settling for this guy um, all the boys that you turn down are gonna be mad. Uh, but like, you know, they they don't have that perspective that like they fit, they're compatible, they are attracted to each other and like each other. And that's the case with Toru and Yuki. Um, and um, I don't know if I don't know if Sengoku and Remy quite if they explored that i mean sure there's like nervousness before you ask a girl out but i think i don't think that was there with them um and and so yeah there there's that whole thing and i think that is the the fact that like hori and miyamura got together maybe like that is meant to be like the Yuki and Toru plotline fulfilled and actually like, okay, this is like, this is the, 
the ideal version mm. of that of seize the uh, day and like uh. take chances and here's like this other version that is not you know they they clearly are lacking some of the happiness they could be having um i mean and that's not foolproof because it's not like i mean it's not like miyamura like out of the clear blue sky was like, I'm going to go up to her and talk to her. Like it was coincidence yeah. that brought them together with Sota's injury. But at the same time, like once he was afforded the opportunity, he didn't like, he never ran away. Like he never, you know, they were both a little bit tentative at times, but it was a very natural kind of thing that, you know, you are when you're getting to know someone and, and such like, but he never got to the precipice and chickened out. Yeah. Like, I feel like uh, Yuki did. Uh, and so, like, yeah, he didn't really ever settle for that, and neither did she. So, I don't know, like, that's the... that In, in that couple, you have the, the idea that the whole notion of leagues and everything like that is just... Um, should not come into play. Uh, and you have people that are taking risks in their lives and look how they're rewarded except for yuki doesn't take a risk and she still gets rewarded anyway uh, i will know by right. the way as well, the problem the problem with, the um. problem with all of this though as well is that by uh, saying that saka is out of his league uh, and then maybe he does start day yuki if that's the case and that puts her on a lesser plane as saka which is that's what fair. i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah that's what i say is like it's a it's bad just, it's it's a, it's a bad thing to say <laughs> but that's why I don't think it's also necessarily unfortunate phrasing because it's used deliberately in other situations with Yamagi, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and again, like this is what I'm going to say about Horimiya in general, about everything that I think is wrong with it, which is done differently, all of its subject matter could be deeply interesting. I mean, let's be honest here, Doc. Like you and I, you know, we're obviously not high school students. We've not been for a very long time. So why would we find a show Speak like for this? yourself. <laughs> Well, why would we why would we find a show like this interesting? Why would we watch it? The answer to that question, apart from just general humor, if it's there, mm-hmm. which is unfortunately for me felt very flat in a lot of respects, but I'm not going to belabor the point because that's not as interesting as the stuff I do want to talk about. Is a lot of the experiences that one can have in high school and even with relationships and stuff can have a sense of universality. Sweet, like you know, if you're going through like the process of like wanting to date someone for the first time, the idea of leagues can come even when you're much older than being a high school student. Mm-hmm. This is universal shit. So a lot mm-hmm. of what's going on here uh, is not inviolate um, simply because it's just saying high school or whatever. Like it can still appeal to an older audience. But it demands a treatment that this show will not give it, where it's just all very, there's potential here, and we don't do jack diddly shit with it. And that, to me, is the thing that frustrates me the most about the show. It went as far as having the actual lead couple date in the middle of the show, and even get into a sexual mm-hmm. relationship. And I'm not saying that simply because, like, oh, hey, titillation. I mean, like, that's actually a substantial part of, like, a relationship for a lot of people. Not everyone, because there are, of course, yeah. asexual people, of course. Um, and that's perfectly valid in its own right. Uh, and wouldn't that be a thing to explore in a show, funnily enough? And this is going to get into what I'm going to talk about. Was, this is why I said about, like, you know, the contraception thing. You know, let's talk about stuff. Let's cover ground that we don't cover in this sort of stuff. You've gone a little bit further than most, Horamiya. I know, I know. nowhere near gone as far as you should have done to make this interesting and engaging. Right. I mean certainly on the level that you're talking about and i feel like it's like the show 
man, those first few episodes, we were like, oh, is this like, this is like in conversation with like Scum's Wish. But it just turned out not to be. It turned out mm-hmm. to be like, well, it's it's conversation partners are like, you know, I don't know, uh, Monthly Girls Ozaki-kun or other sort of like more kind of fluffy rom-coms that... Fruits Basket uh, does this better. Sh- yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but um, oh, what was I trying to say? Um, Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to No, that's okay. No, 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 that's all right. I, I guess what I mean is like, it just felt like uh, maybe it's like one of those shows that is for for a younger demographic ultimately, but like it came out of the gates like in the guise of something that was for a more uh, older demographic. If, if that uh, was the case... Maybe. I don't know. If that was the case, I would also just want to say one other thing in that this show feels anachronistic for a couple of reasons, one of which is just that the technology for the time is gone now. I mean, let's, let's, let me just say The this flip right. phones? Well, it's not, it's not in the flip phones. They watch a film on a DVD, and I'm not saying that's obviously a wrong way of doing it. I mean, I have DVDs over here. But they could have literally substituted in with no impact to the story whatsoever. We're going to watch these films on a streaming service. So adaptational changes to make it appeal to this younger generation that you speak of who are growing up right now in the time of streaming services where physical media is less prevalent uh, and of course attitudes have changed isn't there Uh, and this this is the best tangent for me to finally go all in on the biphobia let's let's talk about it okay so i read a tweet a couple of weeks back where someone commented I don't remember who this person was. Uh, they commented, anyone who thinks Horimiya is biphobic, and I'm paraphrasing here, needs to have their head mm-hmm. examined. Uh, now, my response to that is uh, twofold. Uh, one of which is, that's not a defense of the show. You need to actually argue, the evidence, the, the burden is on you to argue why it's not biphobic in the sense of, you know, you have to explain what the intent of this was. Uh, but two, I do like examining my head. So, let's fucking go. Right. First thing I want to point out here is this. Hori being biphobic or queerphobic in general, in fact, I'll probably just say queerphobic for the sake of a more broader term here, is sure, not sure. a bad thing to have in the show from a narrative sense. The same as anything else in this show it is a question of what you do with it. And next up, I'm going to repeat something that I've said often before on the podcast, but I need to get it out there again to explain it because I've, I've kind of fleshed out this point over the years, which is, the problem with homophobic or queerphobic humour, apart from it just simply being offensive, is that it's lazy. It's lazy because it relies on, like, humour for me is often punchline, uh, sorry, self and punchline. But the mm-hmm. reason that homophobic or queerphobic humour is lazy is because the setup has been done for you already. And that setup is many, many decades of othering of queer people to try and like you know make them seem strange unusual ridiculous you name it like oh them queers and all that you know i mean the word queer itself like up to a certain point in our culture western culture had a negative connotation to it always oh, queer in, right you know it's a bit queer, yeah. that guy that kind of right thing. so this is all based on like that common understanding as i've said before of queer people are strange and unusual and if we laugh and ridicule them then it's you know it means we're not feel we don't feel threatened by them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why homophobic humor beyond simply or queerphobic humor beyond simply being offensive is lazy. It's lazy writing. 
Um, so, having established those particular points there, let's talk about the the biphobia that Horace has because she explicitly says like I don't mind you cheating on me with girls but if it's boys then that's too man much. yeah and here's that the thing the... right for for one oh. one thing that one thing that's hilarious about this I don't think anyone else has said it, is that this actually could in theory out Hori as being into a polyamorous relationship which is kind of incredible when you consider that she's doing <laughs> that in contrast to also saying well as long as it's not with guys god sure uh anyway so the, this whole scene, by the way, uh, this is where which I'm in that start- case, I mean, she's you know, Polly's are free to have their preferences, I suppose, but like the disgust with which she uh, imagines the situation and comments upon it, I think, is uh, telling. It's very, it's very strange in a show where, in, to say like we're progressive enough to suggest our character is polyamorous, but we're also regressive enough to allow it to be biphobic. That seems very weird to me, especially, I, I mean, obviously there are people out there who will be poly, but they would only be interested in one gender for the third person, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But it just, to me, like, you have to remember that fiction representation, like, is limited. Uh, so when, you know, like, this is what we said, for example, about the Akers in um, Wonder Egg, where it would be very strange for them to be queer themselves while also being, like, you know, very... Uh, stereotypical male in terms of what they educated Frill on, if you remember. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it can't happen, but we're not ready to have those kind of characters exist yet where we walk back our positive elements by putting some re- regressive elements in there as well, if you follow my meaning. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so here's the thing though, right? This whole scene um, of Hori saying this is in the opening to... Which episode was it? Episode 10. And I talked about this in Wonder Egg as well, where I talked about the idea of structuring your endings and your openings and where you slot scenes in. Indeed, Horimir itself has had post-trait scenes. The one in which it's mm-hmm. revealed that they banged and Hori is extracted. The spine Yes, is a post credit scene. And the thing is, when you structure your show where you have things that happen before or after the OP, that affords them uh, a, like a certain amount of import beyond simply slotting them in the middle. I guarantee you, Doc that if I took any given pre-credits scene of Horimiya and edited the episode so that it appeared immediately after the credits instead, so you go credits from the, from zero, 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 zero to mm-hmm. end of credits, to that scene, you wouldn't think of it as important as if it was prior to that. That is a standard feature of mm-hmm. the structure of editing um, television. So, by also doing that, it makes the opening distinct. It compartmentalizes it from the rest of the material. Unless there is, of course, a follow-through from, like, say, a cliffhanger. Star Trek did this, you know? You'd have, like, the bit before the opening, like, bits of, like, Star Trek Next Generation, where you go, oh, shit, we're in a deep thing, and then, like, the audience is left to ruminate on it. But sometimes it can just strictly be for compartmentalization. So, the apologetic argument would be, Hori is biphobic, but that we, you know, we're gonna look at it, we're gonna examine it deeply. Uh, that does not fucking happen. No, oh, no, no. And no, no. the reason it doesn't happen is because when this ha- this scene happens, it's all played for comedy. Hori mm-hmm. telling Miyamura like she's like she's offended that he would potentially be into guys and all that, you know. Uh, and then him actually going up and saying, "I can't spend time with you guys anymore." Hori's like, you know, the actual follow through. <laughs> so it's not uh-huh. just simply it's not simply a thing that like you know just is said. Like it actually has tangible effects on his behavior. Which is pretty rancid. Let's be honest here. But it happens in that compartmentalized section prior to the opening. 
and then is never. Thank- thankfully, act- they drop it. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. but no, you say thankfully they drop it, but I disagree. They never bring it up again, and that makes it all the more like noticeable. Right. And I'm just very deeply curious as to why this is even in there. Because, again, I refer you to my earlier point. Queerphobic humour is lazy. I did not laugh at this. And I know that we've had people say on this very podcast about Hiromi before that we're imposing our cultural values on Japan. Uh, To which my response is, if I'm imposing my cultural values on Japan, I would probably be talking about something like, where are the British pubs in Japan? What I'm actually talking about is (laughs) something that affects and harms actual groups of people. You know? Even if there was not a single queer person in Japan, uh, that's which is, by the way, very far from the truth. I mean, like that is—it's a live issue over there as much as it is over here. That LGBTQ plus folks are like marching for their rights and you know want to be heard. And I mean, it's—it's not just like ah, the the pure Nihon like. You know they don't tolerate that shit over there, or whatever. Oh, it's, yeah. when, when it's you, simply when you, not when, you, when you've got people saying it's my old prefecture joke. <laughs> Conduit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Never, never gets the old. Prefecture <laughs> always yeah, never, gets me, man. Ne- the best get, tweet ever. <laughs> never gets old. Um, <laughs> Want to frame that tweet? <laughs> but yeah, even if there were no LGBTQ plus people in Japan, uh, it's still an attitude that that culture has that is, uh, you know, wrong. It is discriminatory. I mean, at what point do you want to take that logic of I don't want to impose cultural values on some other country? Uh, I, you know, were people arguing that in like 1943 with Germany? I don't think they fucking were. I actually know some people were, funnily enough, but you get my point regardless. Uh, you know, I don't think we'd be down for that. So, okay, it's not something that is critiqued about Hori's behavior. It's not something people discuss. It's not something that he, she and Miyamura like talk about, even though they really should. Um... So we're not going to have any... like, And that's why I'm saying it could be there for a reason. Or, even from a comedy reason, you could have the comedy be that she is mocked for it. Because what she's doing is punching down here on Miyamura. But we instead yeah. could punch down on her for doing that. In that fact, Fruits Basket did this with a character who has a has a pop of Monji uh, because he starts wearing uh, the girls' school's clothing. But he's the one who's then subject to the ridiculing as a result. Not Monji. Which is fine, you know. We mm-hmm. ridicule the ridiculous, which is this bullshit perspective. So, whatever way you want to slice this, there's no actual like substance, substantive like you know discussion of her biphobia. There's not even a like a talk about where it might have came from, how she's institutionalized. This wouldn't that be a discussion of where she's got that idea from? Uh, it isn't funny from my perspective. It's lazy mm. writing, even if you do think it's funny, and fuck you if you do. I'm not going to even slice. You know, I'm going to like. I'm not even going to pretend otherwise on that. Um, I and I literally think that entire section from episode ten pre credits could have been cut without consequence. And I can't think of any more damning an argument when I can literally say you can slice an entire like section of a show out without consequence without losing anything. Because to me, if you, that basically is kind of like a mathematics thing. If by removing this, there is no change in the value of the show for like the negative, or indeed if it gets better, why is it there? I I can't I can't argue with you. I think that you've stated this well because 
I you know I can't think of I can't think of another way to explain this joke. I mean, this is the one, right? Like, there's some been some other comments that we picked up on in the show that were like, oh, I, these seem kind of homophobic, and uh, other people are like, well, you know, um, it's not a big deal. Uh, it's just sort of like reflecting the uh, like the society, the setting, uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, but I, f- this is, um, this comment I think is more uncomfortable because it takes that kind of, like we're arguing it's like a world building tool, but this takes it from that and like it steps into the foreground and it becomes this like mm. live idea that the, you're being, it's communicating to you. Like, and yeah, I mean, I just, I, it, it's. I can't think of another interpretation of the joke. I, I can't, it's like, well, she's doing this because, well, why is it? Uh, because she doesn't like the idea of Bihamura and another boy getting it on uh, or being romantically involved. And it not just that she doesn't prefer it or whatever. It's like it disgusts her and it angers her. So, I mean, it's just, I just, it it's, feels queer phobic. And, you know, it, the regarding what you said about the, you know, don't impose your, your cultural values on another place. I mean, I think, I mean, for me, issues of human dignity cross cultural boundaries, and that's just how I am. Like, and if that's, you argue like that, if you want to argue that that perspective is wrong, then, then you may, but that is my perspective. So there you go. And that is what I had to say about that. You covered yeah. everything else. <laughs> yeah. And then again, I, I, really do want to try and hopefully eventually get out of the habit of suggesting fixes or changes. But let's flip this around. Imagine Miyamura actually is canonically bisexual. Right? Let's okay. go with that. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the kind of conversations oh, that you could have dramatically man. speaking about that? You could even have a little bit of fun, like, you know, where Hori and him both get to comment simultaneously on how hot they think mm-hmm. certain men are. Wouldn't that be fucking incredible? Maybe we could even tackle the uh, perception that bisexual people are actually lying. Like, because I've seen that on Twitter lately. I know. That would be great. I, I think that I, that's exactly what I was thinking when you started to suggest changes. Like, man, they could yeah. they go down that road. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, you know, some people, that, like, there were things like an American Gallup poll or something like that, where they said they were bisexual, but most of them were dating men. Uh, how about we critique that and just try and understand why that is? Because for one, it is people seem to assume that once you're dating someone and you are bisexual, that that means actually what well, you're not really bisexual. You're oriented towards the gender. Whereas in reality, of course, I mean, obviously, Doc, like to use you as an example, you're married to your wife. But mm-hmm. do you preclude the possibility that uh, there was not a single other person on this planet you might find attractive? No, exactly. And so, therefore, by that token, one could then say. You know, if you're bisexual, there are obviously many people of both genders or any gender in between for that matter that you might find attractive. You're just with the one you're with right now in this particular frame of time. Um, And, you know, the other reason why bisexual people might date men more than women, if they're, for example, um, men, you know, if you're bisexual male, uh, that would be perhaps because cultural convention pushes you towards that rather than you feeling comfortable to be with someone of your own, basically, of someone who goes against the grain of cultural convention of of convention. Sure. Electricity. 
I mean, I'll admit, like, I've said some stupid shit about bisexuality in the past. Like, I, for one, I remember when I was much younger, when I was on MySpace, I I will admit this comment, because I'm going to be fair, I'm not going to pretend I'm, like, you know, squeaky clean. I thought that it was a fad that some people had. And hmm. that was me not being fair. That was me not taking it at face value and assuming that they are actually legitimately meaning it. Um, So the fact that, like, but the thing is, like, Horimiya came out, or rather as a manga, Around the time I had those comments. I've mm-hmm. grown up since then. This is an adaptation. <laughs> Why is the adaptation not grown up along with it? It should have done. It should well, have done. And this is like, uh, this is, I think, very uh, common for many, many of the glorious letters in the. Uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, initialization. Oh, did 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 you folks... see the, did you see the tweet recently of someone saying no one is born like lesbian, um, gay, or black? <laughs> what? No, that was a tweet. I, God, uh, that's a bad one. Um, that's an all timer there. Uh, but <laughs> uh, many many people just don't believe. Maybe people are fucking are stupid. What what they are, they are what they claim to be. Um, that, that they're, you know, yeah. they don't take their word and their feelings as valid. And just like, oh, there's these other explanations. I, I did that, uh, I will admit, because I was an idiot. Um, but my point is to all this is, all the things I've discussed, all the things that we could talk about are things that this show could talk about using Horry's mm-hmm. biphobia. Its mere existence in this show is not a bad thing. And this is why I always laugh at people saying that, for example, we're an SJW podcast. People seem to have this opinion that SJW is like, this thing is in there and therefore it's automatically bad. No, quite the contrary. I want more of this content in there where we deal with difficult, tricky subjects that demand a complex, nuanced and mature look at them. You know, where people stumble and fumble their way through figuring out the right way of things. I don't want, like, you know, a sanitized world where there is no unpolitically correct content. Fuck that. Bollocks to that. But what I am wanting is I'm wanting something more than we're going to have a character be biphobic because we can't actually construct genuine jokes in this show. I've literally invented jokes on this podcast for alternate versions <laughs> of, this, jokes. Uh, yeah, of this material. Mm-hmm. And that took me all of five seconds to come up with. And yet this show relies on biphobia for humor. It's shit. It's lazy. Yeah. And look, I mean, I am not sitting here saying, you know what? Every romance depicted from now to the end of time needs to be a queer romance. I don't even, I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, so I'm not like hardline, like, yes, we must canonically make Miyamura buy. Um, that would be one way, an interesting way, like you said, to go about kind of, fixing the outdated you know punch down humor um but just i'm good with them being you know a red-blooded heterosexual couple or whatever (laughs) but like you know it doesn't but this is like uh but it's 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 this comment that uh i bet you want so needless while you're at it as well (laughs) yep definitely he's you know to love uh Baseball, bow, 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 country bow, bow. music, NASCAR. Yeah, has to have a has a, has a big dog. You know, <laughs> ride around the back of his pickup truck. Uh, 
hold this rifle. The dog will be called Rusty or some shit. It'll be great. It'll be great. Amazing. Piece of shit Ford driving around Shibuya. His dad's name Cletus. Even though he lives in Japan somehow. Exactly, yes. Kuritas. 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 No, but like, yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with... with, uh, with this i mean i think it's an unquestionably queer phobic comment and the show would have been better off without it because it didn't like or better off with it and it did something with it yeah exactly so it didn't it didn't because they didn't kind of integrate that aspect of her of her character more fully into the show it would have been better to just been have been have been cut because it didn't make anything of it um yeah uh, I don't think I have any other talking points. Um, right. Should we rate and review? Do you have any more? Well, I have my positive one. I once when the. the oh yeah. Episode. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. And I think I have stuff to say on this too. So let's go. Okay. So here's the thing, right? I've been very, very critical of Horimiya throughout this particular episode of the pod. I don't think anyone can say otherwise. And I'm not walking back any of those criticisms because I think they're all earned. I know that Doc and I have some disagreements on certain, like, subjective or, like, semantic elements of, say, like the Sakura and uh, redhead guys scene. Fuck it, I don't care <laughs> what his name is. But I do have something that I think is worth saying, even if I think it's kind of predicated on a, how shall I say, a social schema that you shouldn't really care about anyway. But hear me out. All right, so... By all accounts, at the end of this show, Miyamura is doing pretty well for himself if you go by a kind of sense of conventional attractiveness or conventional social standards. Um, I mean, look at it this way. He has a girlfriend. He has a girlfriend he's sleeping with. Which is, you know, like the, the, the you know, like... Uh, how do I yes, put everything? It, it's the it's the er, it's the objective of teenagers, <laughs> right. generally speaking, isn't yes. it? But it, but He's beyond that, but beyond that, he has friends. You know, he has a, he has other friends that he can spend time with when Hori's not like you know telling him, you know, don't let your balls touch, else it's gay and all that. Um, <laughs> you know, he has a part time job, and barely it's for his family's cake shop, but he is earning money. You know, mm-hmm. he's not buying. I mean, we don't any evidence to say this and i don't like arguing from the null hypothesis as i've said before but he's not it's no explicit attention is drawn to him doing badly at school he's getting he's doing well you know yeah. by all accounts he has things pretty good for his age by this standard of convention which is what people tend to think of teenagers he's like hey he's got a girlfriend and they're banging that's pretty good for him isn't it you know right but Here's the thing, and I think this is the show's like major like positive point in its favor, even though I do think it could have done this better still, which is mm-hmm. despite all of that, we have evidence throughout episodes ten and thirteen in particular that he is still troubled by his past. You know? He's still haunted by an earlier version of himself where he feels like he's failed, where he literally has this like almost Wonder Egg finale thing where he talks of his alternate version of himself, where mm-hmm. things did not go as well uh, for him. Um, he even s- seems to have had suicidal ideation at some point. Mm. Um, now, the difference... I mean, uh, the Wonder Egg comparisons in terms of talking about self, but the difference here is that 
I mean, I know I said like the eye in that show had ended it was in a better place than where she started, but Miyamura like has no troubles that I has like in sense of like dealing with the grief of losing someone close. Like he's in a good spot also, but he is still haunted. And I think the lesson that one can take away from all this is that even if you are riding on top of the world, at least in terms of the standards you set or the even societal standards are given to you, like I mean. Like, say, he's got a girlfriend, they're banging. That's pretty good by societal standards for someone of his age, you know? Alright. That will not make your life magically better in the sense of how you feel internally. It will not make you emotionally healthy. It will not make you mentally healthy. If you still have trauma from the past, you do need to deal with it. You don't suddenly have things fixed by fucking the pain away as Peach's one sung, if I recall correctly, you know. <laughs> you don't, that doesn't happen. <laughs> he does have to, I mean, obviously it's very internalized and I wish he spoke about this with Hori like couples fucking do. But he still deals with his pain. He lets it go. He gets better. So I think that the positive note I want to leave Horimiya on is this. While I do wish that Hori had more internalizations, I mean, for this for this show being like you know about a different size of it, we show to the world, it's very internalized around Miyamura and not so much her. But mm-hmm. for him specifically, I think that this makes a great point that even if you do accomplish all these things that you choose to set out, like that that society says you should be doing your age, or even what other like rightly or wrongly, and, and this is why I say I like, don't give this too much credence because obviously banging, you know, having having sex at that age. It, you know, it's not like, you know, suddenly you're big swinging dick, literally. You know, it doesn't, it's not really a, um, how do I put this, a point of pride, you know. It's an arbitrary standard that society seems to think is good, but really isn't. Um, what I was just saying, it's not bad, it's just value neutral. But it, Yeah, right, it just sort of yeah. is, it's not, uh... Yeah, but yeah. even, even beating all those check marks doesn't suddenly make you happy it doesn't suddenly make you healthy you have to reconcile with your past with your trauma um and come to terms with it that's how you actually do heal so i think that's mm. a cogent point that the show makes that's why we keep coming back to Miyamura in his past even though he is now in a better place i mean that was initially to me felt like a contradiction he's in a good spot why is he still going for all this but i realized that's the point being in the good spot does not solve this yeah i mean very well said it's a great point it makes him feel like uh uh more of a like an actual character more integrated character uh because it's not like we just close that chapter on his life and never hear from it again and he's goes on to great popularity and success like you know, he still thinks about it. It's still, it shapes him. Like we are shaped by our past traumas in, in many ways. And he still carries around like his, um, uh, I guess inner child might be a little too, but like his inner, you know, teen <laughs> from his middle wo- school. His, his wounded self is what I would describe it as. Yeah. 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 Like he, that's still there. Like as a, as a whole kind of being like, within him he can still tap into those thoughts and feelings and and it's a long journey to really make peace with something like that um that you know we we know a little bit about that from experience 
And, you know, in some cases, in some cases with trauma, particularly loss and grief, I mean, you can kind of come to this point sometimes such that you feel like, not that you're glad that it happened, but, you know, who you have become over the years from it, like, because everything you've become has been informed by it. Um, you know, what, what you've, what you've turned into and, and who, who you are now is like, I don't know, somehow like it's, that's benefiting you that you're, you're carrying it around, you know, because yeah. it undeniably shaped I, you. Right. And yeah, but that's I, not, I, I mean, it's of course not true in all cases. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of comedians joke, for example, that because they got bullied a lot when they were younger, they developed a strong sense of humor. And <laughs> whatever like you want to say about how good or bad my jokes are, I think what happened to me when I was younger did lead to me developing a stronger sense of humor than I definitely had when I was a kid. Um, and also just helped shape the person I am now. And you know what? I'm glad for who I am, speaking for myself here. Like, mm-hmm. doesn't mean I wouldn't want it done differently or that I felt it could have gone of course. elsewhere. Um but yeah, I think that does also really sign to me more in that he is... But I do have to say, though, I really still think that I would have liked with him to remain the alternative guy, looking guy that he was. Because I think that it all being a function of him just present a, a performative presentation, uh, I don't think that can... I don't think that's 100% true. I don't for a lot of people. Um, I know, for example, people who were alternative in my high school... Um, who are anymore, but I would absolutely not consider any of them to have done that strictly because they were bullied or, like, you know, disenfranchised. Sure, um, sure. And and I think that that's a shame that, like, we see him at the end of the show and he seems to have lost some of the identity he started with that I felt was positive. Like, he stuck out as a guy, you know? He was very much his own person. Are we saying that he's traded that all away? I don't know. But anyway, no, I'm going to leave it on the positive note, which is that mm-hmm. I think that that's a great message that the show does have. For all my criticisms of it, for all the messages it does fuck up, I think that it's a fair point to say that, you know, you can be successful in that conventional way, but it will not make you happy in of itself. Like, it will not heal your wounds. It will not heal your traumas. Exactly. They need to, they need to be tackled head on. Much like how you headbutt Sengoku, you need to headbutt your yeah. traumas head on. There's my yeah. there's the end of my podcast discussion. Woo! <laughs> Very nice. And for anyone who's interested, I, we did talk about that uh, point, that last kind of question you just had at some length in the previous episode. Um, either the first or the second. I think it was the second. Uh, I can't that's recall when, That's when you got the makeover uh, in those final episodes. Oh, yes. And, um, and I, I disagree with... Um, kind of it, it being like this big negative thing but um uh for, for this character uh so if you want to hear that discussion hashtag you can go you can go check that out i mean i do i mean you can't deny that there you know there are people in in life like you said that like it it is more like that sort of stuff is more meaningful to to them than it was to him here um so yeah i mean i can't disagree with that but uh but yeah uh check check out that previous discussion um okay it's time it's time to rate and review this block of episodes and the show as a whole um i'll go first do it i'll go first uh this block of episodes um 
it was uh it was inconsistent (laughs) to be kind um you know you had the very uh kind of average stuff in the beginning to uh some right uh shite uh, in the middle (laughs) (laughs) and then it picked back up uh and there was a uh what i felt was a much stronger finale and final bit of episode 12 so uh i'm gonna like lean into the highs Mm. from this batch of episodes and i'm gonna give it a um i'm gonna give it uh three and a half loaned dvds uh that you find in your bag at the end of the semester out of five fair enough fair enough are you what do you you're waiting for my rating of the whole show or would you like to rate this block no, first? You, you rate 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 the whole show okay okay well for the whole show um i think uh you know the first half significantly stronger uh than the second half uh love the territory that was explored i mean you heard me on previous shows i thought it was on my way to being one of my favorite entries in the genre of yeah. anime rom-coms but it just let me down a lot <laughs> in terms of uh you know getting pretty average and then quite bad i thought for a while and you know i'm gonna hold those things against it but i think uh i think on balance is still pretty good uh i think uh, i would still say it's worth watching i think that the I mean, of course, worth watching with caveats, right? I mean, you, have to, you mm. know that this is not a completely great work across the board. Know that, you know, there is going to be some some queer phobic, you know, sprinkled in uh, two or three occasions. Uh, I can compartmentalize it. Other people can't. That's why it's a caveat to know up front. Um, and uh, the highs, like I said about the the second half the highs overall were really high for me i I liked them quite a bit uh i thought the um the titular couple were fantastic very memorable um i thought uh the side characters are it's it was a nice group to spend time with would have loved to see more done but was a good group um you know a lot of times in these shows there are there can be side members that i actively you know don't like or don't care about um that wasn't really the case here i think there was like a baseline of of likeness i mean maybe the the sort of adopted sister of mia kind of came the closest to that but she never crossed Mm. the threshold into i just hate you uh so i think on balance i'm gonna give this uh four liters of delicious spine juice out of five (laughs) I'm glad that senses your lexicon now. I feel like you could use that again at any given time in the future when it's appropriate. I will. Um, I will. Right. Well, I'm going to actually be a cheater here, and I'm going to say that my racing for the show and my racing for this block of episodes is the same. Um, and my racing is therefore going to be two and a half heavy yearbooks as better for four memories, because we remember <laughs> all that. They're like saying, these wow. are really heavy, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Okay. Let me... Jesus. Man, let me really... This really brought down the whole show. Yeah. I mean, I, that positive note I ended on, like, it that was good and all that, but 
God almighty, that was one positive <laughs> note among so much, uh, so much like dead air, so much stuff I did not find funny, amusing. Or you didn't like the comedy, I, yeah. No, I didn't give a shit about Kyosuke, for example. Like, I thought Kyosuke was ruled. I thought <laughs> he was, he was irritant throughout. I did not give a crap about him. Um, we haven't really, uh, I suppose, addressed also the fact that Hori is an emotionally abusive cow towards me and Murmur and shit. And I oh yeah, say, we were supposed to talk about that. I forgot. Yeah, and, I, and I'll, I'll mention briefly. My problem with it is this: she was not I, a cow. Was she? A, I, that's harsh. That's I, I, I am a harsh guy. You know this. Um, but let me don't let me address call her the cow. Okay, I won't. I won't. Um, <laughs> but the, the point I'll make is this: like, um, she's real. <laughs> oh God. Um. Here's the thing, right, with that. I think part of the problem for me is that it feels like there's a distinct lack of consequence what happens um, with Hori doing that. Because again, Hori doing that to are we, Miyamura... Are we ta- what are we talking about? What, what Hori, are we Hori, talking about? Hori being, like, emotionally abusive, wanting Miyamura to, like, you know, be violence towards her in public, but, that kind of thing. Okay, but how is that... Well, what is the argument that her behavior was abuse? Like, what's the... Like, point me to some pieces of evidence... That thing, like she was abusive to him, because uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting him to do that. But like, how was she abusive to him? I'm, I'm, God, and I've got to think about this. Uh, <laughs> you have to remember thinking, moments of the show. Think, thinking's difficult is is tough. I don't. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Well, maybe I should rephrase. Um, let's just focus specifically on the kink dynamic here, and I'll that's because that's why I actually specifically want to address. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this ties into part of the problem that I have with the show is that, like, first off, there's a lack of adult presence in much of it. Um, I mean, you have Hori's parents, you have the creeper teacher who reappears, which is <laughs> why I would have liked for him never to appear again. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing, right? Hori and Miyamura are doing this thing. I'm I'm going to point out there that I know next to nothing really about BDSM or kink. Um, my understanding of it basically boils down to this. I don't mind what you do to your partner as long as you have an agreed understanding of what that is and in what framework that happens. And also that you have an out for if it ever gets too much. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think that seems pretty reasonable. Uh, I mean, you know, there's been discussion, for example, like, you know, during sex about choking and all that. Not something I'm in for, but if you want there's to do that... There's been to, discussion. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm talking like in the framework of the UK, like in how there's like laws... Oh, I didn't know about, that. Okay. Yeah, there's like laws coming into like, you know... Because hmm. like there was, I think there was an Australian backpacker lady who unfortunately died because she was choked during sex by the guy she was... And it was just written off as a rough sex act, which is obviously... That's a discussion for a different day, and I'm not going to get into it right now. And I'm only talking <laughs> yeah. anecdotally about what I remember about that case. But the reason I'm bringing up here is that I don't mind, from my perspective, and this is just me as some random fuckwit on the internet saying this, I don't mind people doing whatever they want to do with their partner as long as, again, they agree the terms and conditions around it, and also that they have an agreed point in which enough is enough, and if they say that, it is respected. That conversation doesn't really happen in Horimiya, but, like I said with Hori's biphobia... I don't mind that in the narrative sense because that could be a point of actual drama where things do go too far, where there are consequences for it. But much like the biphobia, it's played for comedy rather than actual substance, which I think is the big problem I have with it. Um, they, you know, have this thing where Hori like wants Miyamura to be violent and abusive to her in public, but there are no consequences. But it's, fun- but it's funny though. Like that's it's like so I found it quite funny. Like. 
so I'm I'm good with like making something like that into a comedy if it's funny. It doesn't not everything sort of has to be a like we must sit down and have a serious talk about serious issues. You know what maybe, I mean? Maybe like maybe I think my problem with that is just because I didn't find it funny. That's why my brain like switches to okay, if it's not gonna be funny, can it be about this? And it doesn't do that, and I feel it does nothing for me. But that's just me, admittedly. Um Yeah, but just like conceptually speaking, you know, just um, it being a comedic element, I thought was actually like a, kind of a good and fun thing. Cause like, I mean, to me, I don't know. So, so, okay. So Rackham is saying in chat, like based on talking to friends and to BDSM, basically it's not healthy. If someone feels actually upset, like crying, if they don't uh, talk through something like that, of course. Uh, and then uh, there's long-term negative effects. Absolutely. No, of course. Like, um, totally agree, of course. I think any reasonable person would agree with what Shadon said, that, you know, consent between both adults and, like, known lines, uh, boundaries, and all that stuff is a prerequisite. But that, that's, you know, doesn't materialize out of thin air. Um, you know, sometimes, like I said, uh, a, a member of the relationship might be uncomfortable, but not in a, like, I don't really want to do this way, but just in a, I've never done this before kind of way. So I'm awkward and I want to make you happy. So I'm going to give it a try. Um, and there's some trial and error before they get to this place that both parties feel good about it that's sort of just exploring your sexuality and figuring it out and in in their case you know it doesn't even happen in the bedroom it's just like kind of how they are in public to each other um and i thought it was presented in a way that again i i felt like the trial and error and the little i think they did have a little bit of conversation about it was shorthand enough for me to think about it as like this is what they're doing. They're they're having this trial and error period because Mia wants to make her happy. And it's not something he would initially do, but he's willing to like give it a try for her and because she's so delighted by it. And yeah. and he does that. Like it didn't come off to me it, like despite like the comedic framing it didn't come off to me as abuse. Maybe it's the kind of thing I need to rewatch and and see because um, what you guys are saying is line crossing is definitely line crossing. I have no dispute about that. My whole thing was like the the way I remember it was those lines weren't necessarily crossed in the show. Yeah. Well, I, I again, like I didn't find it funny personally. So I think it, that's when my brain just like switches over to if it's not, if I don't find it funny, can I get anything else out of it? And the answer to that was no. Because um, did he cry? Did he cry? Because like, if he cried and there's a comedic framing to it, it's it's like I'd one of those things where do, I, I, did, I, I'd have to go. Back did it really check. happen that way, or are they leaning into this for exaggerated I, effect? Do you know what I mean? Because there's like shit in anime where like, you know, uh, someone's getting pelted with vegetables from off screen because they said something. It's like the framing is such that like. This really, I don't think, did, happened in universe as an, like a historic event that you'd chronicle down. It's just sort of like a funny thing that's shorthand for expressing a character's feelings. Um, mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, I'm just talking about the way I remember it, and we'd have to go rewatch it, which neither of us are going to do anytime soon. So, yep. Uh, so uh, I'll leave. Funny enough, again, you've set me up for a wonderful uh, segue here into my final point. You, you're very good at this stock. I, I approve. Uh, I'll, professional. I'll finish, by, I'll finish <laughs> up by saying this that again, much like everything else, I wish there had been a more thorough explanation. And again, the fact that they fumble through it is actually could be a feature and not a bug because we also have to remember their age, their environment they're in. Like, if you don't have the literature behind this, for example, as a frame of reference, like, mm-hmm. part of it would be reading up on it, for example, or maybe even reading mm-hmm. up from the wrong sources. Uh, there is mm. tons of potential to be done with this, but it was mostly played for comedy in my mind, and I didn't care for it. But anyway. Uh, but the thing you just said about not rewatching it anytime soon, I think the biggest criticism, after everything else I've said about Horamir, is it's ultimately going to be forgettable for me. It, hmm. Like, the most noticeable thing I will say about it after the fact is when we do future podcasts on other rom-coms of its ilk will be, compared to Horimiya, you know, okay, Horimiya, <laughs> they boned, and they were openly dating. Mm-hmm. That's, and those are the only two points that I will remember. And they feel to me like the sale, selling points on the back of the box of something that ultimately doesn't then pay dividends on it. Um, I found... and. Again, to go back to my rating, like a two and a half. I just think like that doesn't make it bad. Like I use the whole buffalo here, but it just feels so very middle of the road after all its effort, after all the good things it did. That it took so many steps back, or just felt completely inert. That my reaction to it is, I'm gonna probably not really care about it or think about it that much in say even a week from now, and that to me is more damning. Like I've said before, than it being bad. I mean, we mm-hmm. mentioned some bad anime when we were talking about the creatives. I still remember those because they're still funny to think about and how shit they were. And <laughs> like listeners, which is the thing I would call most comparable to Horimiya, actually. Akka 13. Or Akka. Oh, no, no, that was unfair. To, I, I need to rewatch Akka 30 at some point. But anyway, that's a discussion for a different day. Uh, like, my comparison point would be listeners where I will look back on it and I'll think, yeah. Oh, listeners. That's my overall mood Does on it. Deep, deep pandemic anime. <laughs> we really, it. really oh. is. God. Uh, uh, well, I'm sad because I, I like to think, I mean, maybe it will turn out that way for me. I mean, I forget. I can't remember Decadence's title half the time, but I remember how I felt about that show. So hopefully I'll remember the show because it did really make a positive impression on me for we can't you know, remember about Sengoku's name We're on shit creek for her paddle. We can't remember <laughs> characters' names. We ain't remembering this a week from now. We'll call it. We'll call it. We'll call it Mio Hori. What was that show again? Mio Hori. Honey, Honey Mio. Yeah. It was about Miyamoto and Sugimoto. <laughs> Toro Yuki. Who the fuck knows at this point? God damn. <laughs> Man. They're all well, color coded for your convenience. That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck my life. It's true. Oh God. Okay. Well, this is probably the end of the show. I think so. I think it is. Uh, yeah. Well, Shadon, if people want to try to help you remember the characters' names in Horimiya Don't. later on, how would they do that? Don't. How would they contact you? <laughs> uh, you can contact me at the Sussel Doctor. 
yeah, yeah. If, you se- if, you, okay. if you said you could send me character reminders there at the soul doctor mm-hmm. and i'll pick them up and i'll totally answer as if i actually am in control of that twitter account but if you want to talk to me about anything else you can hit me up at shade and ten ten uh i'll be more than happy to discuss your feelings on the biphobia or whatever bloody bloody we've been for it all you know maybe i'll try and remember the show at that point i don't know yeah but yeah hit me up on there if you feel like so inclined and I'm at the subtle doctor on Twitter. Uh, How dare you steal my Twitter profile, you prick! I, sorry, I I just did it. I just came in there and I did it. Jack said I could, so I did. I'm seizing the day. Carpe diem. I do what well, Yuki J- couldn't do first. Jack, <laughs> Jack Jack looks like Rasputin, though. You shouldn't trust him. <laughs> well, I don't trust was, him, but he did give me this Twitter account. So he was, he was. I mean, never mind like his various social media crimes. He was selling fucking uh, what was the name? Anastasia up the fucking river. During the Russian Revolution. Bell end. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Well, you know, if you, uh, dear listener, dear viewer, want to support us, there are several ways you can do that. Uh, financially, you can support us at patreon.com slash show. We have three budget-friendly tiers where you get all sorts of delicious spine-juicy benefits. Um, you can... Uh, hang out at our Discord, participate in group watches. Um, and you can ask us questions that we must answer, That uh, all kinds of things. Um, check it out there. See if there's something you like. Uh, oh, and, and like you said, you know, you could uh, help us uh, pick out which shows that we're going to review. Yep. Polls are opening. Uh, su- su- suggestions are opening tomorrow, so get on that hot and fast. Um, and even if the, you're too late for the suggestions, you'll still be able to vote when they come around. When you we've got the actual nominees out there. Ego Zakatoli, and then you can support us uh, in other ways because that's completely fine. Um, if you don't want to donate to the Patreon. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Show. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, Google Pods, WordPress, and other places. If you just Google the platform that you want us uh, to be experienced on, and then uh, type in Show. Uh You can email us, waterydesho at gmail.com, and uh, yeah, get in touch. We would love to hear from you. Um, dearest patrons that have been along for the ride, bless you. Thank you. I appreciate your love and support and your participation today. Shadon, thank you so much for talking through this last half of Horimiya. It has been a pleasure. It was therapy for me, so it's all good. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, uh, he's Shadon. I've been the Subtle Doctor. Uh, until next week when we cover big robots punching stuff. Until then. Embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. Bring back the brothers.